Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight I'm very excited to talk with Tristan Brown. What's up, dude? Hey, Joe. Happy to be here, man. Oh, I'm so excited to finally get you on the show. I've wanted to get you on for a very long time, and the time is nigh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we started talking around when uh, Dune dropped, and I was coming to you because, you know, you know more about Dune than me, and Dune was just one of my favorite films of the year. And um, I remember coming to you saying like, yeah, asking if I, you know, how much knowledge I should have before going into it or reading the book and all that stuff. And it was very helpful. Dude, did you end up reading the book then? I haven't read the book yet, but but I have to read it before the, the second one drops. Oh, fantastic. My my 14 year old Aiden just finished reading it for the first time. Yeah. Yep. Do you know if the audio book is, is worth it or, um, or should I, should I delve in old school? I don't know anything about the audio book, so, yeah. um, I, I don't know if it's a good one or not. Um, but yeah, Aiden read it in print. And when I reread it, I just read it in digital on my phone. Yeah. And and I don't, it seemed great both ways. <laughs> I guess it more just yeah. to, um, for me, it's like I find that I'll I'll be like end up sitting in some low light environment in my house to where it's just not conducive to reading in print. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like whether I'm reading, you know, a comic book on my iPad or just, you know, scrolling through a novel on my iPhone, it's like I can sit anywhere <laughs> and, and like yeah. the light's not uh, an issue. Yeah, I get that. Um, and there's just some audiobooks that really just emphasize and, and accentuate the, the material, you know, where they add special effects and they add, you know, sounds and, and voices and all that stuff. And then there's some that are just freaking annoying as hell. <laughs> and I'm like, I'd rather just <laughs> read this with my own brain. Yeah. I remember the first time I listened to an audiobook. it was on a trip to, um, not Chicago, but to Colorado Springs with my mom and dad. And my dad got this book called River God. It took place in like ancient Egypt. It was the plot was really great, but man, some yeah. of the the voice would it be the voice affectations that the narrator put on were almost cringeworthy. Where yeah. It's like, dude, just use your voice. It's cool. You don't need to try and <laughs> like, fool me. I know you're one person. You're not a multitude. Oh, it gets really creepy when the guy's like doing a female voice or something. Yes, and getting all sexy, and I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> taking taking a little too far here, buddy. Oh gosh, do you, when when I did the narration for I Become Death, I was like, I am not affecting voices. I'm just reading this in my voice. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Be too weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to hear some big burly guy, like, talking to me in Princess Leia's voice. <laughs> well, I do every one of my characters with an Australian voice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's really the only thing I can do halfway decent. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, Dune, dude. So uh, after Aiden finished reading it, we... we um, Rewatched the 2021 version, and now we're like somewhere into the midst of the 2000 miniseries because I have the director's cut of that on DVD, and so he was excited to watch that too. And I'm like, all right, here we go. It's fucking Is that worth it? 2000 special effects. It's got a special place in my heart yeah. just because I've seen it yeah. so many times, and it's okay. so much better than the the one that came out was in 1984. That yeah. um, that one I. That movie pissed me off because of the deviations they made from it. I like some of the sets, some of the costume work in it. Um, a, the the 2000 miniseries, you can really tell a lot of the sets are just like painted backdrops. 
in a, in a mm-hmm. lot of instances. Uh, the CGI on the sandworms is pretty legit. It looks really good. Uh, the way okay. they did the weirding way with uh, the 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 fighting and stuff with them being able to move like super fast and stuff. The the voice stuff and it's pretty good. Um, yeah. The casting ranges from really good to just atrocious. Some of the costume work just makes you go, what the fuck are these people wearing? <laughs> but um, it sticks pretty close to the book. And for that, I, I really enjoy that that 2000 miniseries from the Sci-Fi Channel. Does that have the voiceovers as well? The the, the audible thoughts? No. That the, uh, the 84 no. film has? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's rough you know because that's a huge part of the book the characters inner monologues are just a very big part of the book and so that is you know i'm not a director i don't know how to take that and and turn it into something on the film or on film you know and it's really interesting what denis villeneuve did in that he's just like you know i'm just gonna leave a lot of this stuff out and i'm just gonna like show you like a, a surface look of what Dune looks like. And if you're a huge fan of the source material, you're going to pick up on a lot of this stuff in the background that we're not bringing to the foreground and actually telling you about, but we're putting it in there. And so it's like, mm-hmm. if you're a casual, it's like that stuff goes right by and it's cause it's not really super important to the story. You know? Yeah. I mean, how important to is it to the story that, that Paul's grandfather, you know, died fighting a bull. He's like, I'm just going to show you a bull's head. <laughs> You're going to figure it out. Yeah. And there's going to be like some statues and shit. Yeah. And it's going to be on a, a grave. But, you know, yeah. it's like, or, or we're going to kind of show you what a Mentat does, but we're not going to really tell you what it is and explain it like they do in the book. That it's like such a a cool way to do it, though. You know, it's like it causes people to do their homework. And you're just (laughs) like, if you know, all this stuff has meaning, you go back and, you know, people like me delve into uh, a deep dive and figure out what all those little things mean. And it's better than someone just kind of telling you my grandfather was a bullfighter. You know, it's like (laughs) it's a much more fun way of of figuring out the world, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, That's that'll just always be near and dear to my heart. I just really love that IP a lot. And very excited that it got greenlit for the next one and somewhat confused when he says he wants to do it as a trilogy and saying that, you know, those two books, the first two books really tell the complete story. And it's like, well, not really. Hmm. It's like the first three books really tell a complete story. And and if he's all about giving us Children of Dune also, fuck yeah. (laughs) That's a fucking wild story, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So it does get better then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those yeah. books, as they go on, they get weird as shit, too. Yeah. Really weird. Well, I mean, I was very happy to see that they greenlit the uh, second the second movie, which is baffling to me because it's like you put all this movie, all this money into this film, and you know you get Zendaya and you get all these big actors, you know Oscar Isaac and and um, um, you know Timothy Chalamet and the, one of the best directors in the world. It seems like you would at least take a risk and just say, you know what, we're going to just do two movies and film them at the same time because that would save you a lot of production costs. Yes. Know, using the same sets and all that stuff. But it's <laughs> right. like, it's like they were almost as scared, like, damn, this might not do very well. So this might be the only film. And, and, you know, we're going to just, you know, take a risk here. But it's like, man, if you're going to, you have all that great talent. It's and especially Denny Villeneuve, who's never made a bad film yet. It's like at least just like that's one of those things, like a Lord of the Rings situation, I think, where you just take a gamble and you just 
go all in. Yeah, just do it all at once because if you do it all up front, it's going to be less of an investment. Yeah, and the second one's going to take forever to fucking come out too. I mean, we could have had the second one coming out this year or next year, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't wait to see it, dude. The second half of the novel is really, yeah. really exciting. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. the first part's like really cool, but it's like we, we've really spent a lot of time, you know, just clack, 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 going up that hill of the roller coaster. And we're really yeah. at the top of it now because now Paul is he's he's, you know, spoilers for the end of the first Dune movie. But Paul's with the Fremen now. And yeah, and they fucking hate Harkonnens <laughs> and Harkonnens are in control of the planet. And Paul hates Harkonnens and he's got a serious bone to pick with the emperor. And so the whole back half of it is just like fucking guerrilla warfare leading to all out open warfare. And it's like so many fucking. Oh, it's so good. And then it gets well, really deep into some of the crazy Messiah stuff. Also, that Paul, some of the different roads that Paul goes down. Well, even though it has that those janky special effects in the 84 film, like the second half looks pretty epic. Like, like I could imagine, like, okay, if this was done with proper timing and proper, uh, you know, cinematic capabilities, this could be pretty epic. You know, he's like riding the, the freaking worm and all that yeah. stuff. And yeah, so like, um, I could see the potential, even though I know the, the '84 film is not a good measure as to how the second film is going to be. Yeah, well, just some of the de- some of the deviations they took, like really kind of pull it away from the source material and what it is and the bones of the 84 movie tell the story though. So if you've yeah. seen, you know, all of the 84 movie, I mean, you pretty much know how this is going to go. Yeah. And yeah. it's going towards awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing that's promising is that if you look at just the 84 movie and the part that was reflected in the 2021 film, it's like night and day. It's like, it's, there's not much that really happens in that 84 movie that covers that ground. You know, it's like, it's, it's not nearly as exciting as what that 2021 movie gave us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, The the whole front half of the novel, it's, it's got a lot of intrigue and shit like that in it. Like, like in the, in the, in the 2021 film, they left out this whole like dinner party scene that happens in the book that's that's pretty consequential with like a bunch of little power moves and stuff going on and um, yeah a, b- a bunch of stuff with lady jessica and them suspecting her that that she's the harkonnen spy and mm. because that was kind of part of the harkonnen plan was to like dangle lady jessica in front of how so much that it like totally overwhelms his mentat sense he becomes so obsessed and fixated that she is the spy that it like causes him to like lose real rational thought and that's how they're able to slip Yui past him. Yeah. And you know, they just left all that shit out of the film because they proved it didn't need to be there. <laughs> and right. that's and that's fine because it was yeah. you know, I remember the first time watching the movie and then it gets to the point where where Leto gets the dart in him and I'm just like, "Fuck, we're here already?" But it is pretty far <laughs> into the film at that point and so it's like, "Yeah, I guess fuck, here we are. I'm okay with it." <laughs> Yeah, man, it's I, I was just in the theater watching that film. And I mean, I granted, I was like very high when I watched it the first time, but I, I actually, <laughs> actually like started crying. And oh, shit, and, like, a, a moving film, huh? Yeah, I just started crying. Not not because like, you know, it was just overwhelmingly sad or anything. It was just like, I'm just a, such a big fan of filmmaking. And, and I've always just been a big fan of Vinnie Villeneuve, um, Denny Villeneuve. Um, 
to where I was just watching and hearing the soundtrack and hearing this, you know, the score with the visuals and the cinematography and the performances. And I was just like, this is what fucking movies is, dude. Like, this is like how you make a fucking movie. Like you, you kill on every single angle, like every angle of that movie was, was well done. Yeah. And, and I was high as fuck, but like, I was just getting emotional because I was like, this is, <laughs> you know, I felt like fucking, you ever go to AMC theaters, that fucking horrible uh, Nicole Kidman ad in the front where she's like sitting there talking about the beauty of the films and stuff like that. <laughs> and while we go to the movies, that's what I felt like. I was like looking at the fucking screen, just <laughs> looking at the screen, just like thinking like, this is, this is why we go to the movies, you know, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> The, the anti like put everything on streaming stance, you know, where it's like, this is the cinematic experience, you know, but it was, it was, uh, it was a moving experience. And yeah, it was it's definitely, if, if not my favorite film of the year, it's definitely up there. I think it probably was my favorite film of the year. Yeah. I would give it that exact same assessment, like just going off the top of my head, I'm like, yeah, that was my favorite film, but I'd have to like really analyze through a list but it, it probably is still going to be at the top. I mean, for so many of the reasons that you said too, but mostly, I mean, that movie's just like, it's so epic. You yeah. know I mean? Like uh, it's, sure. it's just, it's, it's just grand and, and absolutely epic. You, you just watch it. And I don't know when I, when I was watching it with Aiden the other day, I just kept saying, man, it's really too bad. You didn't want to go see this with me in the theater. You know, <laughs> uh, man, another film that I really loved, um, you probably, didn't see it because I heard you talk and I think it was like the Paul or someone about how you hate musicals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's a musical, I probably didn't see it. <laughs> oh but man. Like fucking Spielberg, he killed it on West side story. Like it was like insanely good. And it's like a, like a remake of a, a 50 year old movie and he, he made it better, which is, you know, just a testament to how good that guy is. Like he can just jump in any genre of film and then do like one of the best films in that genre. I mean, it's just a uh, insane what this guy can do even at his age now. Yeah. That's really cool to hear you say that because, you know, I mean, if you just go in off box office numbers and stuff, you'd almost say that that movie was a flop, but, well, it, but to it hear that, it, you know, that it's, Oh, it was a flop. It well, got, it's absolute it box great, office yeah. flop then, but you know, yeah, yeah, it got, it got great reviews and, but that doesn't mean it's a shitty movie. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that no one's ready to go see those kind of movies in the theater. Like, people are going to go risk COVID for Spider-Man. You know? <laughs> but it's like, you know, like my uncle and my grandparents are not going to go to the movies to see, you know, if they're worried about, especially in December when everything was spiking, you know, they're not going to go yeah. and see. They're not going to, those aren't the people that rush out to the theater. Those are the ones that are like, eh, I'm going to catch it on streaming or I'm going to catch it on VOD. You know, like that audience doesn't rush out to the theater to see those kind of films. You know, we're the ones who are like fucking in Vietnam War ready to like die for Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like the movies are back, you know, like Spider-Man definitely proved that that blockbusters can thrive in today's setting. But I don't think the general movie going public, like the ones that see that, the indie films and the art house films, like they're not necessarily running back to the theater yet. Yeah. I mean, that's true. It's, it's definitely showing in those numbers. Well, especially these days too, when you know, everything's going to be on freaking HBO max or something like in a couple months, it's like, you know, 
unless you're just like are really trying to avoid spoilers for some things like you don't have like a real need to rush out and see shit yeah no that's totally true because like with the like matrix uh resurrections you know, it was yeah. like, hey, had that been theater only, I don't know if I would have gone and seen it. But since it was on HBO Max, it was like, yeah. But, you know, yeah. had it been just in theater and then me being like, well, if I wait 45 days, it's going to be on HBO Max. And then yeah, for you know, sure, every, every, yeah. yeah, for sure, I wouldn't have seen it opening weekend. And then after reading all the reviews, I'd have been like, oh, <laughs> I dodged a bullet like Neo. <laughs> I um I still haven't seen the third one, so I, I still I haven't seen the fourth one at all because, I mean I love the first Matrix. The yeah. Matrix was one of my favorite films of what was it 1999? Yeah, 98. One of those. Um, I remember writing it in my um it was my senior year of high school, and it, it was like a book that we had where we had to write our favorite things. And I remember writing the Matrix as my favorite movie of that year, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, I saw the second one a few years later and I was like, this is like underwhelming, you know? And then I just heard how the third one was just disappointing to people as well. So I never even saw the third one. I was like, let me just live in a bubble and act like the first one is the only one that exists. God, I, I really held on to that second one for a long time. Like when it came yeah. out on DVD, like rewatching it and stuff and absolutely loving some of the scenes in it. And then the more I times I'd like rewatch it, it yeah. just hating the way it ended and like hating other plot points and stuff in it. And then by the time I, I watched the third one, I watched it once and was like, fuck this. <laughs> so mad. Well, I don't remember much from the second one, but I just remember being in the, I remember being on the high because X2 had come out um right before that yeah um and x2 was was a great experience i mean that was very good i don't know i don't know how it holds up today but i know back then in 2002 or whatever that was like or 2003 or 2004 or one of those years um x2 just held up like i mean it was just like a very impactful comic book film right we had never seen much like it before and then I go into the Matrix and I see like all this video game looking shit, you know, and I was just like so disappointed because <laughs> I was like, I can tell that's not Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. Like, no, some of that CGI that. is just so bad. Yeah. The only thing I remember, because I probably suppress the second one, is that I remember Roy Jones has a small part in it and... Um, and I remember there being a bunch of Neos at the end and one of them puts up a middle finger and says, fuck you. <laughs> like, that's all I remember. <laughs> yeah. From on the TV screens. <laughs> yeah. That's all I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I was hoping that people were going to say this last one was good and I would have revisited it. I just would have skipped the third one, just watched that one. But, oh man, there's so many movies I haven't seen yet. And, and I keep hearing people saying it shit. <laughs> like okay, why am I gonna why am I gonna waste my time? Yeah, uh, I recently dived into The Witcher on Netflix, and I just finished the first season and then started the second. I watched the first season and really liked it. I haven't seen the second season yet. I haven't heard too many people talking about the second season. I hope it's good. I think I'm like two episodes in so far. The first episode was fantastic in, in the okay. second season. I absolutely loved the first season. Also, did a little first bit of light digging online um yeah. and it, um apparently it's a polish author whose name of course i'm not remembering off the top of my head but he wrote a bunch of short stories and then yeah. eventually wrote a series of books and those short stories are what all of Geralt's and like yennefer's storylines are in that first season mm. yeah yeah i know it's a based upon a lot of short stories and i think the video game a lot of people thought it was based on the video game but the 
video games, not the first property, right? It was the books and then the video games, right? Yeah, the way I understand yeah. it is the video games like take place after the series of books in the timeline. And I think oh, okay. season two is kind of like the start of the first book, if if okay. my internet sleuthing is to be trusted. <laughs> Have you heard like reviews on the second season? Because for some reason, maybe it was because it came out at the same time as Spider-Man. It just, my circle of uh you know film pundits and all that weren't really talking about the witcher season two like i don't know if it was just because there was just so much going on at that time or it wasn't actually good but i do want to watch it though yeah i haven't heard too much about it i haven't heard too much um talked about it either on like you know the different pop culture shows and stuff i listen to uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm really digging it so far i'm a huge fan of henry cavill also and and I'm very intrigued by this world that they're building here. And there's still like a lot of wonder in it to me where it's just like, oh, you know, what, what's the next, you know, amazing or fucking tragic or epic thing they're going to show me from this world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good world. It's a nice world building in the first season. And like you said, um, Henry Cavill, he's he's great in almost everything he does. Like he's an underrated Superman, I feel like I feel he just hasn't. I think Man of Steel is underrated in general, but like. When he was in uh, um, Batman v Superman, you know, he got a lot of shit for that movie. But it's like he's like he's doing the role justice. Like he's like the problem is not him at all. Yeah. If there's any problem. Yeah, he's playing yeah. it as it's written to a T. A dark, brooding, you know, not joyous Superman. And that's he, he plays it very, very well. It's not my favorite, you know, on film portrayal of, you know, Kal-El by any means. But I fucking yeah. I still like Man of Steel a lot. It's one of my favorites amongst the DCU movies. Um, I, I don't even really that care that. To it, revisit too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I need to too because it's been a little while since yeah. I've seen it. But like a lot of people bitch about you know the big giant slugfest at the end, and I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> it doesn't bother yeah. me at all. Yeah, it is fun when you just become a sociopath and don't care about anybody that's being killed. It is insane like that he doesn't just grab Zod and just like, you know, like hypersonic away and take him up, up north. <laughs> Go fight well, in the Arctic. Well, you know, I get like a little frustrated. The only frustrating thing about that is that Kal-El would have had a lot more time to practice with his powers, right? So like he should have still been having an advantage over yeah over his opponents because they it's like all of a sudden you just get superpowers like you're gonna have some training wheels for a little bit right <laughs> like, like you shouldn't be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone who's been riding a bike for his entire life you know? but uh <laughs> but like uh but yeah i mean overall it, it was um i think it's an underrated film a lot of people dismiss it but like if you go back and look at it it was i think it was the one of the best dceu films that have been made you know if not the best it's one of the it's one of the best. Uh, what are some of your other favorites from the DCU? I like, um, I think my next favorite would um, probably be Suicide Squad and then Birds of Prey. The Suicide Squad? Yes, The yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for correcting yeah. me on that. Yeah. Definitely not Suicide yeah. Squad. The Suicide yeah, Squad. Yeah. I was, I was got to check there. I'd, um, I'd already blocked the other one out of my mind. <laughs> you know what I was thinking? How, how shitty of a... Um, marketing decision that was on Warner Brothers part because I can't tell you how many people I talked to and told them the Suicide Squad it's a really good film or you should watch the Suicide Squad or you should watch you know this Suicide Squad movie that just dropped and their response would be like I didn't like the first one <laughs> and I'm like 
I'm like, you, they needed to have really separated this from that film, you know, and like made it somehow to where it wasn't going to be causing brand confusion amongst people. Cause there are a lot of people that think that this one that just came out when they're flipping through HBO max, even they think it's the same one. Oh yeah. And that's the bad thing that happens when they do these titles that are too similar to each other. It does can, it causes confusion in people that aren't, you know, diehards of the genre. Yeah. It almost makes me wish that they called it something just completely different. Like, um, you know, with the suicide squad, but like gave it a different title for the film or something, because I can't tell you how many times people were like, Oh, I didn't like the first one. I'm not going to watch that one. <laughs> you know, like It's like, it's, it's easy to be confused. I mean, not everybody has their head to the ground and, and, and um, ears to the wind like we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Oh yeah. man. Um, I know we were, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, but we both have seen chapter six of Book of Boba Fett, and it, it's yeah. about to be discussed. So if you've not seen chapter six, Book of Boba Fett. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> number one. Like, if you love Star Wars and you haven't watched it yet, oh, like, go watch it and then come back to this because we're going to talk all about it. Um, dude, this episode made me feel like a little kid. Like, I, I felt like a child inside. My eyes were, like, brimming with tears throughout most the whole episode. Like, I, it was just a constant state of wonderment for me. It was it was amazing. It was, it was something that I did not expect to see in this series. Like, I was thinking last week, you know, when uh, the Mandalorian said that he was going to go visit a friend and all that. I thought we were going to go right back to the Boba story and then we would get flashbacks of what happened when Same. Mando went to go visit uh, Grogu, like, you know, in the next season. And I'm so kind of confused as to how this is all fitting together. Like, cause <laughs> it's like, I mean, didn't this feel like this, like, like this series shouldn't have been called the book of Boba Fett, but it it's... should be called something like star Wars after the empire or it's like some kind of anthology thing where they can just throw a bunch of, random shit at you and, and you don't oh, question it like or, or like, just call like, it mandalorian yeah. season three and then just <laughs> intersperse some more dinjar and storyline into those first few episodes because clearly there was me? shit in those first three episodes that didn't fucking work and should have just been taken out you know or it could have been called mandalorian season three but <laughs> this is boba fett like it's like because he's a yes because that too, works too know? Yeah, 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 it it is odd. This, this shift that these last two episodes have taken, but it's like I fucking love them so much that I don't even care. I'll go back and rewatch Book of Boba Fett yeah. just to get this shit again. Yeah, I'm at the point where I'm just going with it, where I'm saying, okay, this makes no fucking narrative sense. Like, why is Grogu's choice or like you know Luke's training or conversations with Ahsoka? What the hell does that have to do with the Book of Boba Fett? <laughs> like, Boba Fett's probably never going to meet Ahsoka. He's probably never going to meet Luke. <laughs> and Luke fucking hate each other. So like, they're not even fucking... Like, it's like, this has nothing to do with his ongoing story. Like, you can make an argument that the Mandalorian somehow links into um, the book of Boba Fett because he is coming to be an ally. But, like, when they get to the point where we're talking about Luke and Ahsoka and training and all that, I'm like, you guys are just really veering off now. Like, this has <laughs> nothing to do with the book of Boba Fett. But, like, I really love... I mean, I can't complain because it's it's so good. I just feel that it's going to be kind of weird, right? When, let's just say years from now, like these key moments are being buried into a Boba Fett series. It's like, it's like, 
imagine explaining Star Wars to someone and you're like, yeah, and then Luke came back and trained Grogu. And where do I find that? The Book of Boba Fett. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like, get the fuck out of here. It's in the Book of Boba Fett? It's like, and it just comes out of nowhere, dude. Episode six, <laughs> chapter six. This is what... I, I saw some people that jumped right into episode five, too. Like, that didn't that didn't start the series and just jumped right into episode <laughs> five. <laughs> but, but it does seem like almost like this could have been like, let's just say like a, a, a prelude or something or something like, a, you know, just Mandalorian special or something if they didn't have a full season. Or like we were just saying, just call it Mandalorian season three. They really no just one would question have. that. No, no, they nobody would have questioned that. it at all. It would have just been like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Unless they just really wanted to have those different shows. But I mean, this clearly goes to 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 show us that these are all interconnected. Like what sort of crazy shit are we going to get in the Ahsoka series? Is, is there going to oh, be man. is there going to be connections, you know, between the Obi-Wan series and anything else is the um oh, that Rogue One character that we're going to be getting. Oh, uh, um uh, Cassian Andor. Uh, Andor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what sort yeah. of stuff are we going to get in his series? Is that going to be connected to to the Obi Wan oh, series at all? Shit! Oh man, if they can do some deep fakes to an Andor, because he's right, he's just pre. Uh, oh, it wouldn't be Obi Wan. He's pre. Uh, Andor is pre New Hope, so yeah. I so mean, I mean, there it, might, yeah, there might be some. I don't know if they're going to add more Princess Leia, but like we might. You might get Lando in there. Like, who knows? Like, it it can be anything in there. Yeah, because that would be the oldest stuff. That would be pretty wild. I get get Rat Tail Obi Wan back in there. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, the beauty of this episode to me, like, and it, the reason why it gave me so much joy was not necessarily what we were seeing on screen, but the fact that they got the deep fake so good to yes. where it's not distracting and it feels like he's actually there as opposed to just like a video game character amongst real people, you know, which is what we got with Grand Moff Tarkin and, you know, Princess Leia in, in Rogue One. Yeah. And even the Luke at the end of season two of Mandalorian. It's like, now it's like they look like they're, they're really fucking there. It's not, it's not a hundred percent, but it's like 95 now. Yeah. And I'd it's agree. only going to get, and it's only going to get better. And, and so it's like now, you know, all of us who wish that we could see what happened in between Jedi and Force Awakens, it's like we could fucking do that now. Like, and, and you could have, you could have Han show up, you could have Luke show up, you could have anyone fucking show up. And, and the cool thing too is that it doesn't feel cheap because Mark Hamill's still involved, right? He's yes, still providing totally. the voice and all that. It's like, it's like you might say that's not really Mark Hamill, but it's like that's as close as you will get to it. <laughs> You know, and it's not like he's he has no involvement with it. He's providing the voice and someone else is just basically providing the body. He's providing Mark is providing the voice and the face and someone else is providing the body. And that's good with me, you know, because this is like the shit that we would have been seeing in the early 90s, you know, if they were somehow making films or if they were somehow continuing. What did you think of special effects? Yeah. I mean, I was blown away by how much better they did with the face. And um, what did you think of the, all the training sequences with, with Luke and Grogu? It felt very member berries, but like (laughs) with the backpack and the running, (laughs) I was like, I was like, he's going to do the flip. He's going to do the flip. There goes the flip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like, I was just thinking to myself, like, yeah, it seemed a little, 
unnecessary. Like they were just really trying to be nostalgic. But again, it's like, who gives a fuck? You're like, yes. this is incredible <laughs> that we can see this. It was just so amazing. Like, like it's cheap and it's a cheap like thrill. Like it's like, oh, let's just have them do the same thing in reverse, you know? But like, yeah, it's like kind of like who gives a shit? Like it's cool, you know? I don't think everything has to be narratively um genius you know like it's like sometimes it's cool to just make us happy you know you know a la you know andrew garfield and Tobey mcguire like it doesn't always have to be so deep just like sometimes give us a thrill you know and that was that was a thrill like i, I thought the training was going to be longer because i thought what i thought was going to happen was season three is going to drop and we're going to, Grogu's going to be missing for maybe like half the season and then come back. Cause I knew he was coming back at some point. Um, but I thought there was going to be training for like a while and then he comes back. But it looks like this is just going to be one episode of training here. And, and when you think about it, it makes sense because it's more training than Luke got in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, and like all that training stuff, it almost felt, like a bit of a montage, like that wasn't all happening just in the time that that Mando yeah, was, was, you know, sleeping yeah. on the park bench, you know, waiting for him. Um, well, he also was there much longer too yeah. before he got there too. Yeah, so he might have been there a year or something, you know. Um, and and also Grogu has memories of previous training that they're just trying to uncover. So it's like if they got rid of that mental block and gave him a little bit more training, like. I would buy the fact that he's pretty damn awesome after this. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that that is laying some foreshadowing down too, with Luke saying that it's more like he's remembering than I'm actually training him. Then yeah. it kind of leaves the door open for him to leave training early, but still keep progressing in Jedi skills because he's going to be remembering stuff. Um, speaking of remembering, what did you think of that flashback to the Jedi temple during order 66? Yeah, man, this is really cool how they just i've never seen one single episode link so much star wars together right because this was linking not only the prequels and the their original trilogy but it was also linking the sequel series too because you know there was um you know they were alluding to the temple the jedi temple that was being built and all that so yeah. like it was connecting everything and and the flashback is really cool because it was almost like seeing it was almost like a live action Clone Wars a bit um, and, and seeing um, the prequel series through a different lens too, like without all the glossy flat black, you know, background and all that. Like, I just really liked how that looked. Um, I'm very curious as to what saved him because, you know, obviously he saw this going down and they didn't kill him. So someone obviously steps in and saved him. But I saw another cool theory that said he's in R2 and hiding inside of R2, which would have been pretty damn cool. Oh, if he was hiding inside a droid. Yeah, that would be pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, because because um, in that scene, and when that happens, R2 then goes right with uh, Anakin afterwards, I believe. And how crazy would that be if you know Groku is like hiding inside of R2? <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. Because it looks like he's, I think they just run right by him after they kill those Jedis. And like, as if he's hidden somewhere. Um, so like, that's, that would definitely be cool. I also thought like, you know, I don't know, if everyone wants Mace Windu to come back. I just don't know how that works. You know, it's like, 
I mean, how do you be one of the most powerful Jedis and just disappear off the face of the planet? And, you know, like, I just don't get that. But I don't know. I don't, also don't put it beyond them if we saw Mace Windu come back. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> They're already yeah, doing so much theories? with Sam Jackson already in the MCU. Oh, yeah. But it would be kind of cool to see, like, an old, withered, you know, uh, Sam Jackson come back and with, you know, freaking no arms or whatever he had. Robotic uh, arms. Maybe yeah. we'll get that in the Obi-Wan series. It's endless. Like, the possibilities are endless. Like, I mean, we can – I don't know what we're, we'll see in the Obi-Wan series. We'll probably see – we might see Ahsoka. We might see Ahsoka at some point in that. I don't know. but um, That would be awesome. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that whatever, because they've been really hammering away on this shit. Like that, I remember they went back to the, the drawing board with Obi Wan and and all that. Like they're really taking this series seriously. So like, I hope that whatever happens, um, or whatever we get is going to be amazing. I don't know if if Favreau's behind it or if it's just Filoni, but it's it's going to be something special. I'm sure. Yeah, I agree. I and, think, and especially I if they saw... learn stuff from these first few episodes, you know the the reaction to these first few episodes of book of Boba Fett, they're going to have to realize, you know, Hey, you can't just float through on this and just think that we're going to go along. If, if something doesn't feel right in the universe, the fans are going to point it out. Right. And did you notice that? Um, I think they just announced today that Obi-Wan's dropping on May the 4th. Oh, so, really? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got a release date and maybe might even see a, um, an advertisement during the Super Bowl. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I've been hearing all sorts of rumors about different MCU stuff that could be dropping during the Super Bowl. So I'm not a football fan at all. I don't even know when the hell the Super Bowl is happening. It's going to be a week from the more, uh, a week. week from Sunday. So okay, coming right so, up. I mean, yeah, but all those all those previews and you know commercials and trailers. I mean, they're going to drop right online, so you don't have to sit there and watch. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> I just wait for all it to like be announced on social media and then I click a link. Yeah. On the 13th, you're going to know all the shit that came out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, it's exciting because it's like, I always thought like, Oh, you know, it'd be great if we could have a, a Luke series or, you know, have Luke pop up here and there and, and, you know, just series that, that delve into this period. Like to me, this is the most interesting period, this post return of the Jedi period and having, you know, just uh, series and movies and things that revolve around this period is just so exciting to me because it's like the stuff that we were wanting them to do back in the day, but they weren't, you know, George wasn't doing like we all wanted to see what happened after this stuff, but you know, it wasn't meant to be back then. And, and now it's like, we got all this amazing technology and now you can just recreate people like this. <laughs> it's like, it's so fucking cool. I can't wait to to see what happens and what they have in store. Dude, what did you think of the Cobb Vance stuff in this episode? Like, I loved the way it opened and then his showdown he's, at the end and then seeing Cad Bane in live action for the first time. Like, oh my, he's one of my hope, favorite characters from the Clone Wars. Yeah, I really hope that Cobb Vance, I hope he's not dead. Oh, he's not I mean, dead. I would, he just got winged. He, you think he? Do you think that Cobb Cab Bane would would not give him a fatal shot? Like it seems that he would have 
not missed as hard if he if he was aiming for that. But like, it looked like he got yeah. him in the shoulder. And the way that all those that crowd rushed up afterwards, and they're asking for medical supplies and stuff, and then it really showed that you know the deputy took like fucking five to the chest, and so it was like <laughs> yeah, that was that was dead. the death. You know, we we showed you a character, we made you be annoyed with him right away, and then we fucking starched him right in front of you, so that way Cobb yeah, Vance he, can he, get he was, shot, but get shot yeah. because this guy's an idiot. And then yeah, still survive, you know, and now all these spotter. townspeople have got like a really solid reason to go and help Boba Fett. Yeah, it could have been that even that even um, Cat Bane was not intentionally trying to kill him and just trying to, you know, basically be fair about it because he knew the guy, you know, uh, wasn't starting anything. <laughs> and so, like, he's like, I'm going to kill this fucker over here, but I'm going to give you a warning shot. You know, that could have been the thing, too. Um it's me. It's interesting to me how in Star Wars, whenever any no-name person gets shot, like all it takes is one, one fucking blaster beam to the <laughs> chest, and they're dead. But if you mean something or you have some kind of significance <laughs> to the story, then then you're gonna get wounded. <laughs> <laughs> you got some plot armor there, <laughs> helping yeah, you out. Definitely. You're an important character. We're just gonna wound yeah. you. Yeah, you got some IMDB power here. <laughs> it makes me yeah. think of Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. That was a wound. Yeah, but yeah, he's such a cool character. I feel that he's, it's a little too soon to get rid of him. I mean, we didn't Agreed. see much of him. Yeah, so He needs to come yeah, back and tell more people to think it through. Yeah, yeah. How so epic was know. that? <laughs> think it through. Think it through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I know how this is going to go. I need you to think it through and get on the same page as me. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to be back. I'm sure. And, um, and, uh, yeah, Cat Bane, like it was, I knew he was coming at some point. I mean, anybody that's any, any fan favorite is going to pop up at some point if they're still alive and hell, even if they're dead or they might find a a reason to bring someone back. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, that was, it was overload, man. It was, it was like so much given to us, and and, and what did, I don't even think Boba Fett had like a line in this. Did he have like even a line? Oh, little, I don't think episode? so. Not like not much yeah. at all. These last two episodes have just been. It's like at least they showed him in this one. Yeah, they showed him in this one. Like it almost would have just made more sense if they just would have been like. You know, having him just say something just to just to push the story along somehow. But, <laughs> but but yeah, now it's at the point now where where last week I was like, it's still the book of Boba Fett. After this week, I was thinking, nah, it's not. It's not <laughs> this is Mandalorian two point five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm not complaining though. Because not I like at what all. Giving me. Not yeah. at all. And, and like, I didn't even hate the first, you know, three or four episodes or yeah, the first four episodes of Book of Boba. I wasn't, I didn't. The second episode was really good. I thought. Yeah. The second episode I, I, was I, fucking fantastic. The The third one I felt was the weakest, but I didn't yeah, hate definitely. all of the third episode because the third episode still had some good stuff in it, but oh, the was stuff that was terrible. bad was, was yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. I think we're just used to having so much fun with the Mandalorian that, a couple, you know, the parts of the third episode, and first episode, like we're just not up to par. To the what tone we was so off. And I hate to say it, but like it might be Robert Rodriguez, and that's what I'm a little worried about because he's directing the the finale, 
and next week. And so he did the finale of Mando season two, though, didn't he? That we all loved he, so much. He did. Oh no, Peyton Reed did that one. Okay, Peyton Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. He did yeah. one of the fucking yeah. good episodes from he, season two, though, he didn't did, he? He did the good episode when Boba first comes back. Okay, yeah. I think that's. I think that's how he got this, you know, to be so in charge of this one because, but it's like. It's weird, like he's he's a great filmmaker, but I feel for Star Wars that like like that parkour scene in the first episode and then like the little slow Vespa speeder chase in the third one that he directed. <laughs> like I just feel like that's like they just feel a little too low budget for me, if that makes any sense. Like it'd be great in any other series, but like like I, I get it, like he's like a very practical kind of guy. Like he doesn't want to have a lot of special effects, it seems. But when you do that in Star Wars, it ends up looking a little cheap, you know, since we're so used to all the, the spectacles. And I hope that I hope that when he directs this finale that it's that it, it delivers because the best episodes were directed by the woman who did the second one, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard oh, yeah. and Dave Filoni, you know, um, those three, they killed it. Like all their episodes killed. And Robert Rodriguez, if you ask anyone what the weakest episodes were, it's the ones he did. No, that is true. Uh, yeah. Like, I feel like he's, he's a, you know, he has a great vision, but man, there's certain people that just really get how to direct Star Wars. Like Bryce Dallas Howard, like give her a fucking movie. Oh, she nailed it on, yeah. on that chapter five episode was just spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. And you could see the progression too, because she was, she did pretty good in the first season. It was. It wasn't the best episode of the series of the season, but like it was decent and it was good. That was with like and the Spotchka farmers, right? And then the yeah. the ATST, ATST, like kind of coming at them like the the T Rex. <laughs> yes, um, yes, I loved that yeah. episode. Yeah, and then it's like you know it was a great episode, and then like the second season she did a phenomenal fucking episode in the second season of The Mandalorian, and then she just knocks it out the park with this one here. Which one was hers Bubba in the second? In the second season, she did that one with Bo-Katan where they did that raid um, where it was, uh, I think it was like the third episode where they're on like Oh, a, yeah, yeah. That one was like fucking a, awesome. Yeah, where they did that raid on that flying ship. That's when he dives yeah. down into that, that hatch with that water creature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you could just see her like growing and developing because if you watch this in her first season of Mandalorian, like you, you would see just how much she's grown. It's just like little subtleties too, like just the angles and like the way that she shoots them and, and even just like the, the the pauses and stuff between lines and stuff. It's like she just really gets it. And only like really good filmmakers can can nail those little those little uh those moments like that. So I would be all for her getting a fucking movie. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just don't know. I mean, I really love these series though. It's like is, like, do you really care for, so much about movies now? Like, when no, it comes to Star not Wars? really. If they're gonna do yeah. the series and do them well, like, yeah. I fucking love like a, a an eight episode series. It's it's yeah. just the the right amount of episodes to have a really compelling story with you know not a bunch of filler that needs to be thrown in because you just need to fill some minutes. It's you know it's like I felt the same way about that. Uh, was it Archive eighty one? The yeah. Yeah, like I think that was eight episodes. It was fucking brilliant, perfect. I you know, it it, it left me wanting more. It like it was yeah. it was great, and and a lot of these Disney Plus series have been doing that for me. Um, 
You know, if, yeah, it, when it's all done, if it leaves you wanting more and it kept you occupied for six weeks, it wasn't just two hours on a Friday night. You know, it's well, I, yeah, I see, I see where it serves certain properties better to have a film. And I also see where it serves certain properties better to have a movie because let's just take Marvel, for instance, right? Like, um, six, okay. Like a six episode arc for, you know, what was it? Nine episode arc for WandaVision. I thought was fantastic. Right. Like I wouldn't want to see that truncated into a two hour movie. Yeah. You know? Well, especially because they're such I, short episodes. Yeah. And you know, same thing with, you know, the other series too. Like I really love that suspense and just that character building that you don't get in the films. But then at the same time, it's like, we watch like a film, like no way home, which is, you know, breakneck speed, you know, everything's fast, 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 but it's, you know, so visually stunning, action-packed, a lot of money thrown into it, and it delivers, you know, like, it's like, yeah, it would have been great to see that spread out over time, but at the same time, like, you know, a great two-hour movie still works, too, you know? Absolutely. Um, it just really, it just really just depends on what you're dealing with. Like, if I see certain characters I want to draw out, like, I think Moon Knight needs to be drawn out like they're doing you know i think it's going to serve it better <laughs> yeah especially yeah. with what they're saying about it too that it's going to be just fucking bonkers weird and apparently it's going to be a one-shot season too oh really yeah i mean why would they say that you think like they're gonna basically just go to films after that yeah it, it makes you wonder i mean there's all sorts of really interesting stuff that they could be setting up in that you know with with blade and with um the black knight uh you know what, he might be part of he might be part of like a marvel's night series or something yes you know like it yeah it might be they might actually be setting up daredevil moon knight you know possibly even luke cage and iron fist to be part of like a marvel knights thing man i i hope they can come back and nail luke cage and and iron fist because it would be really I, cool to see a, like a good heroes for hire type like um well, that's what, type that's, series that's the, that's the word that's actually i mean did you hear about it too i think that it's not official obviously but i, I heard rumors that that's what they're actually um casting and putting into production as heroes for hire <laughs> excellent but um, it, it, there's just so many good stories that they could tell that are like street level in new yeah, york city like, and then they could tie in all these other characters with it too that are New York based in the comics and it would just work perfect for, for Disney plus and be able to transition into other movies in the MCU as needed. Do you want them to stick with uh, the same casting or do you want them to, to switch it up? Like I, I feel they can do better at both roles. I Agreed. Feel. Agreed. Uh, like, I liked Mike like Coulter, Mike, but I'd be but okay with someone, seeing someone else. There's someone better out there. I feel. Yeah. Um, agreed. And, like, I feel that he's a, like, he's cool and everything, but like, I feel that, I feel he's a little stiff. If he, that makes he is, sense. Like, yeah. They, they changed his character from what he's like in the comics. He's like way more of a hothead in the comics. And, and yeah. they had him be like the, the calm centered one. And then they had Danny Rand, you know, be kind of the hothead guy. And it's like, you guys kind of got this backwards. Yeah. Like I want to see the one, the version that I read, which is basically the guy who's like, I got superpowers and I'm going to whoop some ass for money. <laughs> yes. <You know>? like, <laughs> that That's the Luke Cage. I want to see like totally yeah. fucking cocky. And you know, it's like find a way to do it, you know, because it, it's yeah. fucking there, man. It, it's totally there and it can be done. And not in like 
especially the first time I saw that first season of Jessica Jones, like I loved Mike Coulter. And, and do you remember the promos for Luke Cage when it was coming out and it was shimmy shimmy? Yeah. yeah oh, I was yeah. so yeah. fucking hyped for that. And then, you know, I love, I love the, I love the soundtrack of, uh, of the series. And yes. I really like, I really like the first half of the Luke Cage series until uh, <laughs> that's what I was Marshall just going to say. Oh my god! I was like, that series died with Cottonmouth. It man. did. That like, that whole fucking series dies with Cottonmouth because then when was it Diamondback? The next guy, that guy's a fucking walking yeah. cartoon. Like it was ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I didn't give a fuck yeah. about the Judas Bullet or whatever that was. It was stupid. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. And then so- and then Iron Fist was it was just poor casting for for Danny Rand. You know, I'm no offense to Finn Jones, but it's just I. I wasn't feeling it. They can do 10 times better than Finn Jones. So we know he's not coming back, but yeah, like I feel that heroes for hire would be great. Just, you know, just get two really cool young guys to just play that role, those roles and, and make it fun. Like, it's like, like that's what people would fucking do. You have superpowers. Like you're going to do jobs for money. Like there's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to be like, yeah, I need to pay the bill. So how much are you paying before I stop this robber? You know, like, I mean, I just think it's a really fun concept that they can do really, you know, do a lot with and, and make it humorous, make it fun. And they'll fit right into the MCU, too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I do want to see John Bernthal again. Like, I feel that, you know, I feel like they could, I mean, there's different iterations of Punisher, but I think he's someone that I would really like to see again. Which you might. I feel like the Daredevil cast is is the only one that they're really kind of married to. Like they're like, okay, well, I think we can really build upon these people. Um, yeah, whereas everyone good. else, I feel like they, I feel like it's hit and miss. Like I wouldn't mind seeing Chris, Kristen Ritter again as Jessica Jones. I don't think she was terrible. Um, yeah, I loved you know, her, Jessica Jones. I would be happy with seeing yeah. her come back. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, we'll see, man. Like it's, I, I think they might be building towards moon Knight, kind of definitely leading that sort of ground level new york villain type thing he is based in new york right if i'm not mistaken i don't know where they're basing this this moon Knight in i'm actually just uh, starting to get into the moon Knight comics because i want to have some of the some of the some of um his books under my belt before i go into the series and fucking marvel universe is great for that shit dude like they'll give you all the books that you need to read over the past decades that gives you all (laughs) you need to know about that character nice Um, i don't have that service i've got comiXology unlimited and they usually do a pretty good job of having like a bunch of the books for free you know do they actually tell you give you guides this like read this if you want to know about this character they give you like a list of books i think they they probably do have something like that i've just never searched that way i guess yeah, yeah. I've been um, on Marvel Universe, and it's really, I think it's like nine ninety nine a a month or something, but it's like every character that's coming out in the film or gets introduced in a movie or something, it will just show you like the 30, 40 years of history. Oh, that's awesome. And like, these, like, like these are the books you need to read if you want to know this character type thing. Yeah, I'll have to dig into Comixology and see if they actually have something like that. It'd kind of blow my mind if they it, wouldn't. That seems like a no-brainer, right? They might, or you could just fucking contact me and I'll screenshot it. Like, read these books. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it's it when people though. send me comic book recommendations because it's like they go in a list and you never know. Someday I probably get to it. I read a lot of comic books in a year. 
You know, it was funny though, when um, Shang-Chi came out, um, <laughs> they usually go back like all the way to the essence of the character at the beginning and they tell you, read this book, this is the first appearance and read this arc and this storyline and this and that. With Shang-Chi, Marvel was like, um, the, sh the earlier Shang-Chi ship was kind of racist, so we're just going to start at 2015. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, just just forget all that Masters of Kung Fu stuff we did in the 70s. Like, Stan was pretty high during that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bought, I bought like the first two volumes of What If, and I think it's in volume yeah. two of the What If books. It was missing a single series, and I was like, or a single issue. And I was like, well, what the mm -hmm. fuck is up with this? And so I went and looked it up, and it was like a Shang-Chi issue. But they... We're selling it as an individual issue on Comixology for like a dollar sixty nine or something like that. And so I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna uh, buy that." If they didn't want it included in here, it's probably pretty terrible. So I should probably read it just to be like, "Wow, what the fuck were they thinking?" Yeah, I haven't yeah, gotten around to actually, it yet, but yeah, they were like actually painting people like you know Asians yellow and that. Like it was, it, yeah, they definitely did some growing since then. Thankfully, yeah, you know, thankfully they. They made a good movie to to make up for that. Oh right! Oh man, it's yeah. easily one of the gems of Phase Four. Oh, easily, easily. What would you say are your favorite um, parts of Phase Four so far? Ooh, um, Shang Chi and No Way Home uh, for yeah. the movies, and yeah, no for way. the series, uh, WandaVision, and mm -hmm. uh, really, really loved. Uh, I, I've loved. I've loved fucking everything. <laughs> the truth. So it's like, it's like I'm choosing from like eight and up on a lot of these. Eternals is a little lower. Learned, but um, yeah. uh, really, really loved Loki a lot. Um, and and Hawk series are so fun. And yeah. Hawkeye, it's like, really, I, th I think I'm just in love with Yelena Belova. And, and I just great. love seeing her and, and Kate Bishop on the screen together. And, and like, Oh, I will be so tickled if we get some sort of series with those two together as like the new Black Widow and Hawkeye, because I mean their chemistry well, with each other is so good, and it would be so perfect for a Disney Plus series. Just seeing them gal palling around the city and getting into adventures. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that you are gonna. I mean, we're definitely gonna see them together much more in the future. Um, but yeah, like what they have lined up and how the order of these things are going to drop is such a mystery. It's, I'm not sure like where, I mean, do we know anything that's being released next year or do we just have this year set? Like um, how far in advance do we know the, the drop dates? Cause it feels I like. I think it's just this year so far, because just recently they pushed a couple properties back off of this one or off of yeah, this year. Like wasn't it? Well, I'm terrible year, with, Doctor... with remembering that news without it having pulled up in front of me. I'm sorry. Well, well, this year, I believe it's Doctor Strange, uh, as far as movies, Doctor Strange, Thor, and Black Panther, I believe, is this year. And next year, the only ones that I know that are in development right now is um, what Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I know they're working on that. Oh, yeah. And and I can't think of what the if there's any, what other movies are in development. Blade, yeah, Blade's definitely coming out next year, I believe. And I can't remember what else is coming out, but but yeah, like um, and then with series this year we got Moon Knight, She Hulk, 
and Miss Marvel. It's like, oh, oh, next year is also the Marvels too. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, the Marvels. Yeah, was Secret Invasion the one that they pushed back? Secret Invasion, the show. I know they're filming it right now, but I'm not sure if it's going to drop this year though. Like it's, it might drop early next year, if not late, late this year. Like, like we're finding out shit late. Like, I think we found out like Hawkeye was coming out like a couple months before or something. It's like, like as far as, and I think even Miss Marvel was supposed to drop like originally last year. Um, so when it comes to Disney Plus, like I think their their release schedule was up in the air. But we should be seeing at least She Hulk and Miss Marvel and and uh, Moon Knight this year. Um, but yeah, it's uh, man, the MCU's getting packed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it sure is. <laughs> it's, it, it's getting crowded. It's getting crowded. But like, I I feel that you can bend certain people, right? Like you can bend certain people and and come back to them. You know, um, Captain Captain America too. I think is coming out next year too. Like I think um, the Sam Wilson Captain America, which is probably going to have Steve Rogers in it as well, since they brought him back right after they made that announcement. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be next year too. Nice. Yeah. It's a lot. Like it's like I it's it's a good place to be in. Like I remember being I mean we're about the same age, but it's like I remember being in the you know, in the nineties and we would be like so excited. I, I'd be reading Wizard magazine and we'd be so excited about like the one comic book movie that's coming out next year. Right. You know, <laughs> or like, or like, you know the one the one comic property that's dropping like you know, uh, for the first time in years, like a, it was usually like a Batman movie or it was like Spawn or it was, you know, something like that. But like, man, like we're so fucking spoiled these days. Well, we sure are, especially in 2021. We just got so much content. 2021 was ridiculous. I mean, Marvel, just Marvel alone gave us what, like eight or nine things. And then on top of that, you know, DC gives us a fucking amazing movie. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a lot. It's it's a it's, it's a really good time to to be into this stuff. And now Star Wars. When I was just thinking like Star Wars is losing steam, and then Star Wars fucking kicks me in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm so hyped for Mandalorian season three now. You fucking give it oh, to me. Man. Give it to me now. <laughs> Especially knowing that like like. Like, I like that concept. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it's all about the baby and this and that. I'm like, it's a fucking cool concept to have a, you have a fucking Mandalorian with a fucking Darksaber and then a fucking young Yoda as a sidekick. That's fucking dope. Totally dope. Totally. (laughs) Especially now because he's, especially now because he's going to be whooping ass and he's has his, you know, he has his fucking Beskar armor. He might even get the lightsaber. I don't know. Like, that's one thing that I forgot to ask you about is um the whole Jedi choice thing about oh not yeah yeah we didn't cover that not having attachments and shit right like what do you I mean okay um everyone I see the memes going around where they're like oh Luke's talking about not having attachments but Luke had like eighteen friends and shit at the end of <laughs> yeah, the of the yeah. Jedi. Luke literally <laughs> ran out on Yoda to go save his friends when Yoda's like don't do that. Go, go in that cave over there, and it's going to tell you why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> and he, he still even, does he, it. He was even attached to his absentee father. Like, I mean, like, yeah. like you know, at the end of the day. So I, I wonder if they're going to, like, make Luke basically, 
realize that attachments are okay and that that's just like old Jedi shit that, you know, we don't need to deal with. Well, Luke got to remember, Luke's about to go spend a bunch of years in solitude. <laughs> He's about yeah. to go to go super crotchety. So I think that's maybe this is their way of showing him, showing how he's really leaning into this is, is that the more he's learning about these Jedi teachings, the more he's realizing, you know, how much he strayed in his youth and, and that he's walking the straight and narrow now, and he's going to teach these new students that same path. Yeah. I feel that when he's, cause he didn't really talk to Ray too much about attachment, right? Like he didn't really talk about, not having attachments and stuff like that. Like she was still fucking caring about her friends and all that shit. And so like, I feel that it's just going to end up being like a thing that he dismisses at some point and says, here, dude, have your fucking lightsaber and your Beskar armor. You know, like, like you can do it both. Like, I feel that that's, that's what's going to happen. Cause you don't introduce Yona's lightsaber for no fucking reason. man. Like, to never like, show know- it again. It's like, are you kidding? Yeah. It's and like and who else is who else is going to use it? Like, I know. <laughs> no one else but a small. <laughs> no one else but a small creature Jedi is going to use it. So like I feel that eventually, if even if he doesn't get it immediately, he's going to get that lightsaber at some point. You'd think so. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's cool too to see. Um, it's cool also to see that um, the Beskar armor too. Like it's like. It's almost like, you know, how he keeps upgrading, how the Mandalorian keeps upgrading his armor. I feel Grogu's going to keep upgrading too, like getting new armor. Like first we got the little chain mail and I feel he's going to get a little bit more after that. But yeah, Disney knows what they're doing. They're like, we're, we're going to make fucking Baby Yoda and Beskar armor. So they, they did it <laughs> right too. They, they made it chain mail too because they knew they were going to have to make a bunch of fucking hot toys and cuddly <laughs> things and stuff like that. So it can't be too like hard. You know, it has to be malleable. Oh, like, that's they know what they're doing. Dude, I live, 15, I, live, I live 15 minutes from Disneyland, man, right? I was at Disneyland a couple months ago. There's like just as many Baby Yoda fucking ears as Mickey Mouse ears in that park. Oh, I bet. Like, like they know what they have. They know that he's a cash cow. So you're going to see a bunch of costume changes for Baby Yoda. <laughs> they're like, we've sold a zillion Baby Yodas in... <laughs> Jedi robes. Now you're going to have to get your baby Yoda and fucking Beskar armor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait you, to see that, dude. Do you read any of the, the Star Wars like comics and stuff like that? Oh, I've read a shit ton of them. Okay, so do you realize how like, and I don't know if Pablo Hidalgo, the guy who's like the canon keeper for Star Wars, um, I feel like they're going to start retconning a lot of shit. Because remember when Disney took over the first thing that they were saying was like, all the comics and all the books are canon. Like that was what they were saying. Everything's canon that's coming out in the books and all the comics are canon. But they're already starting to retcon some of that shit. Like they're already starting to like, almost like ignore some of those comics. Well, all the existing Um, comics at the time, they turned them all legends. And then then Marvel started running a a new series of books that were all supposedly canon. And that's where I started reading the comic books. I was like, all right, well, there's a bunch of comics in canon now. Where do I start? And so I started right there and I read, fuck, I think I read like the first 10 volumes of Star Wars. or I I read a lot. And then I read all the different Vader books. Uh, There's this really great series that, uh, spoiler, Steve pointed out to me on on Twitter this week uh, called Vader Down. I'd read that before too. It's a really, really great little mini series about Vader. 
Uh, yeah. Dr. Afra is fucking really excellent, really fun series. Yeah. Andy Babcock gave me the um, the trade paperback for the Vader series, which is really good. The uh, Charles Soule one? Uh, yeah, exactly. And Dr. Oh. Um, Afra. And um, what's it called? Uh, the Post series was good, too. But, um, but yeah, like what I'm noticing is a lot of um, inconsistencies with some of the comics. Like every, not big ones, but just like little things that are being kind of um, contradicted with the films and the and the TV series, and I think that's happening because they didn't realize Disney Plus was coming, and like I feel they like they didn't realize that they're going to have so many outlets to tell all these little small stories that now they're like, oh shit, like we don't want to talk about that in a comic, we want to make a movie about that, or we want to make a fucking film, you know, a series about that, like you know, like even Andor, um, they made a, a comic book series with Andor, right? Like, uh, and I guess like he meets K2SO and, and it shows everything that happens right before Rogue One. I guarantee you that shit's going to be fucking right <laughs> You'd think with, so, right? With, with the Andor series. And there's also, <laughs> there's also a comic book where they destroy Loda's, uh, Yoda's lightsaber after it and, and destroyed uh... it and, and, and burned it. So it's like, it's getting to the point now where a lot of shit's like not, like they're going to have to say, okay, this story is canon or something and this one's not and pablo hidalgo who's the guy who, who um holds all the canon and uh, or keeps track of all the canon for star wars he, he actually tweeted this is like a couple years ago he tweeted everything in the books and the comics are canon unless it's done on film <laughs> yeah well i was just gonna say there's a hierarchy to the canon and the comics yeah. are at the fucking bottom of that <laughs> Yeah, he's like basically saying, yeah, that really happened unless something happens that shows that it didn't happen. Exactly. You know, like, yep. That's basically what he's saying. <laughs> he's like, um, those comics are all cool and you can hold them up and praise them as your gospel until something contradictory happens on screen and then that takes precedence. Yeah, yeah then you know that that was just a dream. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's it's fun though because I feel like, like now, especially with the, the – technology that we see now like now that you can see that you can make a whole series with luke like and it's only going to get better like this is like the early stages it's like a few years from now like you're not going to know the fucking difference and like the fact that you can now just have a whole fucking we could have a, a four a four season series of luke skywalker post jedi you know we could do that which is crazy insane you know han solo is coming back at some point yeah, I hope so. I, I hope they're able to talk Harrison Ford into like getting on board with it. Oh my god, they could have actually made a solo film with Harrison Ford with this technology. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Pablo Hidalgo's gonna be like, okay, and solo's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna do that one over again. <laughs> There's a core group of people who would be very pissed off about that. It's a good. It's not a bad movie. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Not, I'll, not, I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. It's not a bad movie. It's got it's got parts in it that are not awesome, but yeah. other than that, it's like yeah, you can say that about all sorts of shit. It's not terrible. It's not though. a bad movie. The only thing that my only gripe with it is that when I'm looking at that guy, I don't see Han Solo. I just see like a new character. You know, I'll agree with they're that. They're so different. They're just so like different, but. Overall, you know, the way it was shot and, you know, the, the storyline and all that, it's a, it's definitely a, a, a solid Star Wars movie. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, what you're saying about the the 
was it Aaron Alderike, something like that? Yeah. I'm sure I slaughtered his name. Um, yeah, that's how you say it, I think. Hey, how about that? <laughs> Whereas yeah. I thought that um, um, uh, Dan, uh, uh, Donald Glover like totally, totally imbued the Lando character. Like I, I when I looked at him doing that, I was like, "That's Lando." He did. He did. It's um, but Aaron Alder, Aaron Alden Wright. <laughs> there you yeah. go, Alden Wright. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. He he. It's not that he didn't. He did a bad job. Like he did with his job. Like I feel that he kind of took the essence of the character and made it his own. But it's hard to think that that's the same guy that walks into the bar in A New Hope a few years later. Like it just. Agreed. I just don't see the same guy. You know. Yeah. But like with this deep fake technology that that they have now, I guarantee you, you're not going to see recasting like that again. <laughs> Dude, I like wonder if somebody could do a deep fake of all of Solo and put young Harrison Ford's face <laughs> on Aaron Aldenreich. I'm almost confident that they've had a meeting about that. At point. <laughs> give, give us the Harrison Ford deep fake cut. <laughs> the, uh, the, the deep fake Harrison Ford cut, yeah. Re-release uh, it as, as a Star Wars special edition. <laughs> yeah. They'd be yeah. like, well, originally yeah, we wanted Harrison Ford for this, but he was just too old at the time. Now technology allows us to do it super cool the way we would have wanted to do it back in the day. Well, they're actually doing that with, I heard that they're doing this with the new Indiana Jones film, that there's going to be a lot of flashbacks to him when he was younger. And you know, I mean, it's all the same fucking company. That's what I was so just going to say. It's all the same company. They're going to have the files. <laughs> they're going to have the fucking files already there. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah I, I i wouldn't even be i wouldn't even doubt it just given how valuable harrison ford is to lucas um you know whether or not it's star wars or indiana jones i wouldn't be surprised if they just did a full fucking scan of him you know got his voice in a computer and all that like and gave him a shit ton of money to sign off on using his likeness in the future because He's, I mean, just, just face it, like, he's old as fuck now. But, like, <laughs> but like, there's so much you can still do with him during that period in Star Wars films and, and, and series and even in future Indiana Jones movies if they ever want to flash back. But, yeah, I hear that they're definitely using this technology for the next film. Like, I almost can guarantee that you're going to see a young Indiana Jones. God damn. Now I'm, that almost makes me a little bit more excited for that movie. Oh, I'm already excited about it because um, who's the director? Uh, 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 I can't even think of his name right now, but he's he's pretty damn awesome too. Like he just hasn't he doesn't make bad films either. You know, he's a guy that is he always knows the assignment and just the fact that he's on board and and getting this done. Like I feel that he's it's going to be special. Like I feel that it's going to be good. And they also know that people have a bad taste in their mouth from Crystal Skull. That's so like, true. This is, like, I feel that this is going to be like the definitive ending to the series. Yeah, they really do have something that, that they've got to come out and prove now. Mm hmm. Hmm. Maybe this will just be one of those ones where it's like, you know, like the first Indiana Jones was epic. Second one, Temple of Doom, still really good, but not quite Raiders of the Lockstar level. And then, you know, Last Crusade Temple comes out. I love Temple yeah. of Doom also, but like. It's it's not as quite as compelling as Raiders or as Last well, Crusade. Well, it also 
you know, has a lot of fucking <laughs> like things that wouldn't fly today in, in 2022. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, bad stereotypes and things like that. But like, it was the first Indiana Jones movie that I ever saw. Like I saw it when I was like, I saw, I didn't see Raiders first. I saw, um, a VHS of Temple of Doom, and I would just watch that shit over and over and over and over <laughs> again. And I just thought so how amazing it was, especially the first 15 minutes of the film where it just goes from the nightclub to the and the, the freaking car chase, and they're on the fucking plane, and then it's Dr. Jones, no more parachutes, and they have mm-hmm. to jump out the fucking plane and fucking... Uh, fucking slide down a fucking snowy mountain and shit like and uh, I was just like this is just the most amazing thing I ever saw when I was a kid I hadn't seen Raiders yet and I would just watch it over and over again and you know just him with the stone and, and the little go-kart that was the, that was going through the mines and all that stuff and the snakes and all that like it was just it's like such a mindless movie and, and um, the female lead and it's a little annoying but like overall it's just such a fun fun film um but yeah like then you watch like raiders and you're like okay this is a good movie <laughs> and then you watch uh you know the third one as well yeah last crusade, last crusade is so like, good and you're just like oh this is a fucking great movie yeah it's like how yeah. do we crank this up to 11 let's put in river phoenix's young indie at the beginning what else yeah. let's put in sean connery as his dad throughout the rest of the movie it's like fuck are you kidding me and we're going back yeah. and we're fighting nazis again it's like oh shit you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's just so good. It just fires on all cylinders. And if that's not enough, let's throw in Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's like, that's definitely like on the Pantheon's like cinematic history right there. Like it's, it's a great fucking film. I actually went to go see um, John Williams at the, uh, the Hollywood Bowl. Like basically every oh, summer. I'm so jealous. He, um, he, he does a show at the Hollywood Bowl where he'll play like live, he'll play, you know, the scores to various movies that he's done. And one year, um, he brought out Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg basically played that entire train sequence at the beginning of Last Crusade um, without no music and just the special, just the sound effects. And you watch it, and, and it's like, you know, he's going through the train, he's, you know, he's seeing the fucking uh, snakes and the lion and all that stuff. There's no music at all. And then they play it with John Williams music at the same time. And you just feel the difference of how impactful that music is to the scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. That dude is a wizard when it comes to scoring movies. I mean, they're just so good. Yeah. And he's over 90 now. I think he's like probably 90 or something like that now and still performing. And I'm like, man, like this guy, when I'm 90 years old, like when I'm 80 years old, I don't know if I'd even want to be fucking working. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and to still be that on top of your craft, you know? Yeah. To still be that good. I mean, because like the scores he did for, you know, just recent films, even in the sequel trilogy for star Wars is great. Um, the stuff he did, um, um, what was the last really good one that he did recently? Like he's, he's done like a number of, of scores where it's like, man, this guy like still actually has it. But um, but man, like I'm so I'm so happy at what Ludwig Göransson's doing too, man. He's that guy's like a kid, and he's that good. You know, it's like imagine what he's going to be doing for Star Wars in the, in the future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you know the story behind Ludwig Göransson and how he got like um, discovered and how he no. got put on? So 
Here we have Luke Gordonson. I mean, he did the score for The Mandalorian, which is amazing. He did the score for Boba Fett. He's basically like Disney's favorite now because he he won an Oscar for fucking Black Panther um, score, um, you know, and the Mandalorian score everyone loves. And, you know, he's doing a great job with the book of Boba Fett as well. He's like now like just what basically the one of the top up and coming film scores. This dude got on because he was Ryan Coogler's roommate at USC. What? <laughs> um, so Ryan, yeah, so Ryan Coogler was basically at USC studying film. And Ryan Coogler basically was roommates with Lodewig. And Lodewig was just a Swedish guy who, you know, played a bunch of instruments. And 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 Ryan was like, when I make movies, you're, I want you to do my scores. <laughs> and so Ryan Coogler did this his first movie, which was Fruitville Station. And Ludwig did the score, and then he did Creed and Black Panther, and Ludwig did the score on those and fucking won an Oscar. <laughs> and now, you know, Ludwig's doing fucking Chris Nolan films and Star Wars and all that shit. Uh, he, you know, he's producing for Childish Gambino. Like, it, winning, I mean, I think Ludwig has already won an Emmy, Tony. Uh, no, he's already won an Emmy, Oscar, and Grammy. Like he's almost got the fucking EGOT and he's still like in his early thirties, which is crazy. <laughs> and it's crazy to think that like he was just Ryan Coogler's roommate and he's like, Hey, I want you to do my, you know, music for my films when I start making movies. You know, when, you know, when we're famous, you're gonna make the music for my movies. Like it's like it was literally like that. <laughs> now he's like the one of the biggest composers in the world. Yeah. God, the other one was uh Trent Reznor and Atticus. Uh, is it Atticus Ross on? What, oh, they're fucking great. Too. Oh my gosh, they, what they did for the Watchmen series on HBO just blew me away. They fucking killed it on Watchmen. They killed it on Soul. That that Disney film. Yes. Oh, Soul it. was so good. I forgot that they did that. Yeah, they won the Oscar for that too. And they um, I mean they're they can do anything too. Like they did. Um, I don't know if you listened to to Halsey, but like they did her album too. Like it's like it's such distinct. You know it's them when you hear it, and and they're just like they're able to just genre hop. They can like almost jump jump into any genre, and fucking do the score for that shit or produce for that 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 type of film or movie or whatever it is they're doing, and, and just kill it. Yeah. So they're they're, I mean, they, and where do they go from um, basically just becoming being their own artists in the 90s and all of a sudden now they're just like some of the top film and tv music producers in the world like like they're great too man yeah yeah i mean definitely you know worthy of worthy of the praise they receive they've it's well earned yeah yeah man it's um i look forward to to seeing what they do in the future too like, like every time i see that they scored something I, I, I'm just much more interested. <laughs> yeah. Dude, speaking and, and of you, great music and yeah. television, uh, uh -oh. the, the one question I can, the only question I can think of is, do you want to taste it? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you really want to, do you really want to taste it? <laughs> Dude, I have yet fucking six Six episodes in on Peacemaker now, and I've yet to hit that skip button uh, on the through the credits. Like no fucking way. <laughs> oh no 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 hell no 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 you gotta watch that. And I I'm still surprised that I've only seen that because I've watched every episode once. It feels like that 
sequence is already ingrained in my head, even though I've only seen it six times. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, for a while there, I was watching it multiple times on YouTube a day. (laughs) To the point where my wife would come in the room like, are you really fucking watching that again? And I'm like, I love it. Did James James, uh, Gunn choreograph that? Uh, No, no, they they had a choreographer come in and do it. I I can't think of her name off, off the top of my head. Okay, because it's just such ridiculous dancing. Like, I'm like, no one who takes dancing serious is going to actually do this. (laughs) (laughs) I love how they're stone-faced the whole time that they're doing it. It's so funny to me. And all stiff and everything. It's funny, yeah. (laughs) It's hilarious. Yeah, I'm trying to get my dad to watch this show. I know he's going to love it. I, yeah, I I've is. I've just been loving this series and it just keeps building and I felt like this one had like a lot of like really good like kind of twisting the knife emotional stuff that you know we knew was coming up and and this is the episode where a lot of that really dropped and I think we're going to see you know even more repercussions of that in this in the next episode and dude yeah uh, so many butterflies in this episode like holy shit that that whole oh sequence God. in in the police, uh, in the police um, station was just, I mean, it was fucking, it was both horrifying and like just like a visual treat at the same time. Like, what the fuck are we seeing here? And they just don't go up your nose and just like silently take over. It's so it's violent, like, it's gruesome. Yes, yeah, very gruesome. Just, and the way they're like trying to grab them, like and pull them out of their mouth as they're burrowing in there. I'm like, man, like only James Gunn can think of some shit like this, man. <laughs> right. Like that's that trauma background. Yeah, but he's he's so good at like being gory, but like not being gory to where you're like gonna throw up or vomit. Like it's like it's like he's gory to this to the point where it's like he's he's able to like make it look kind of pretty, if that makes any sense. Like it's like it's like creepy pretty looking. If it, it, if that if that registers like it's not yeah. like 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 suicide squad too like it was like if i'm gonna see someone jump through the eye of a giant starfish like and pierce it and fucking kill it from the inside that's like the most beautiful way you can do it <laughs> yeah dude that's an excellent example because for like as grotesque as that scene was it was yeah. also really beautiful yeah yeah yeah, he has a mind that's built for DC, I feel, or where DC is at right now, because he can't do this shit at Marvel, and he knows it. Like, like maybe you can to some extent, but like Peacemaker cannot exist on Disney+. Plus. It just can't. Oh, get the, okay, so I just Googled who was the choreographer for Peacemaker, and it's yeah. uh, Carissa Lee Barton, and it says, mm-hmm. um, in this little blurb, it says, uh, she shared how she put the moves together, which include filming her husband, Alan Tudyk's cutting rug to see if non-dancing actor could pull him off. So apparently you can see Alan, she's married to Alan Tudyk and you can see footage of him trying it out. I got to look that up sometime. <laughs> That's excellent. Oh man. So he's doing the whole routine. I got to check that out. <laughs> that'd be funny. Yeah. If he's doing the whole thing, that'd yeah. be incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a, it's a good show, man. Like I, it's, it's so solid. Like I didn't have high expectations. Like I knew I was going to check it out, but I thought it was just going to be like, you know, in the vein of maybe like a, a doom patrol or something, you know, like a, you know, something that's good, but like not over, not just excessively over the top and, and, and joyous, but like, this is like, 
I mean, it's arguably the best show on TV right now. Like it's, it's, it's a really fucking good show. And, and I got a lot of respect for Cena after this. Like I, like, cause he's not playing himself. Like he is like really fucking playing this dumbass fucking superhero, you know, and he's doing, a, he's doing a, like a lot of people might think like, Oh, it's easy for him to play that type. But like, you could see in his face, like he's really grown as an actor. Like he's not, he's not like a, he's not like a Dave Batista type that just kind of fits into his capabilities. Like he's really grown. Like he's, he's, he's really stretching his muscles, his acting muscles in this series. Yeah. I, it's, it's usually my most anticipated show that's coming up every week. And yeah, is, and there's only one more, right? Yeah. Two more, two more. And so it's like, Oh God, I'm going to be just so crushed when it's done, but they haven't really shown anything you know, from, from the last two episodes. So, I mean, we could be seeing some really wild shit go down. Yeah. I'm glad that he got the opportunity to do this too, because it's like, I feel that after, after this series that DC is probably in his hands, like he can probably do whatever he wants with them. Um, if that wasn't the case before, uh, because not only did he give them a, a great, fantastic movie with the suicide squad, um, he's giving them this series too, which I think is doing really well. If I heard correctly, I think it's actually doing better than Boba Fett in the ratings. Um, and that's, that was surprising to me, given the fact that you would think Disney plus is always going to beat HBO max, but yeah, they're killing it. Yeah. I mean, cause they're pretty much going head to head. I mean, they both dropped episode sixes this week of eight episode series. Yeah. Yeah, and and DC is showing that its first venture into, uh, you know, putting an actual series in the DCEU is actually paying off. Like, because this is one of the best superhero series that I've ever hit the screen before. It's good, and the cast too. Like, I love the cast. Like, it's such a you could have easily just made this, um, you know, hit all the tropes with you know Cena and just maybe a couple sidekicks, but it's like it's a big cast and everyone is very different and they all have a purpose and they all bring something different to, to the show. Oh my God. Fucking the way Eagly was <laughs> attacking people. <laughs> yes. Holy shit. Just going through the woods, just fucking hitting people and taking them out. I love that. That was so wild. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah. I loved seeing yeah. Captain Locke be such a fucking psycho goofball too. That was really funny. Yeah. Him giving the description (laughs) of the suspect. And then when the cops are walking away, the one cop's like, he just described the fucking Hamburglar to us. Rubble, rubble. Yeah, when they walk away, he even says rubble, rubble. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then that scene at the end when they're all walking down the hallway and trying to smile. And they're all yeah. got their faces all spattered in blood and everything. Like that was so <laughs> fucking disturbing, but funny. And oh, man. man, I this series just checks a lot of boxes, you know, because it's like it, it hits highs on all these different emotions and it, it covers them all so very well. Like James Gunn's just a real master at it. Like I, I really hope that we see more of this rated R content from him in the future. I'd love to see him you know, come back over and, and stay with DC for a while. And maybe he can even kind of guide their ship and write it in a lot of ways. If I'm, you not know? Mis- yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think after 
Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is done, I think he's just going to go back to DC. Like, he, he's been talking, and he's always, you know, even when he was making The Suicide Squad, he was going out of his way to talk about how great of a time he's had making that film. And that was the best experience he's ever had making a movie. And then he's even just like as recently as a few weeks ago, he was talking about how great like like um, the DC um, playground is. Like talking about how how you know he can get away with so much more in this playground than he can in Marvel. And I see that like as a creative, I can see that he's gonna want to do what he does best. And he's very very limited in the MCU. Like the MCU, I'm sure you can do. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I'm sure, is going to be really fun. It's going to be good. But this guy really wants blood. He really wants gore. Like, he really wants gratuitous language. He wants nudity. Like, like that's what he does. And and DC's going to let him do that shit. I mean, isn't it kind of crazy we're seeing titties and shit in, in the DCEU? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know my brother-in-law was telling me um, it was when uh, the first three episodes dropped. And so I saw him, I think it was that day that they dropped and, and he was like, do you watch Peacemaker yet? And I was like, no. And he was like, yeah, I, I started watching the, the first one with my son and he goes, don't watch it with your kids. He's like, all of a sudden they just goes from the scene where he looks at this girl in the bar and the next scene he's got her bent over and he's just railing her, her tits are bouncing around. I'm like, What? And he's like, yeah, I was scrambling to like shut the TV off and cover his eyes at the same time. <laughs> like, Daddy, I thought that this was Batman's friend. Well, and I'd been planning on watching it with my kids because they watched the Suicide Squad with me. And, yeah. you know, because I mean, when it comes to like, like violence, stuff like that, like I don't like they play video games and shit like that. I don't really worry about that sort of stuff with them so much, but when it comes to like the sex content and stuff, that's the stuff that it's like, like hey, you guys can wait till you're yeah, older before you start seeing that sort of stuff and having those thoughts in your little young brains. Yeah. American parents were like, Oh yeah. Like we can see someone get murdered, you know, Isn't uh, 50 times in a film, but we don't want to see that nipple. It <laughs> 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 is kind of fucked up when you put it that way. It yeah. is fucked up. Yeah, but it's like, but like you said, it's like there's so much violence and all that. Like it's all. I think we kind of trust kids to 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 discern that this is TV. This is the you know know the difference. But like when you see sex and stuff, it's like my kid can just go outside and try that right now. Yeah, <laughs> we exactly. Don't, we don't want that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's um, it's funny like it, that this is all connected. Like I. I all I keep thinking about when I see shit like that, I'm like, okay. And then there's somewhere like Wonder Woman's like running around with a lasso. Like, how the fuck is this all the same world? Yeah. Yeah. And it is yeah. funny when they like kind of make jokes about those other characters. When he's saying that you know, Aquaman fucks fish or, or Batman's <laughs> yeah. a pussy and he causes more death because he won't just kill his villains and they just keep breaking out and causing more death. And then he says, Superman's got a shit fetish. (laughs) I love it when he says that one too. Hardcore is just like, where do you get this stuff? You know, James Gunn tweeted something where he said, but for the record, I don't think Superman has a poop fetish. (laughs) Like every Saturday night, the cast has been doing like a, a watch party on the most recent episode. And then they live tweet throughout the whole thing. They've been really great to follow along on. Is it like video with it as well? Uh, no, I don't think Are so. They? I think they just kind of, they all start the episode at the same time and same then they time. all kind of oh, live gotcha. tweet throughout it. Oh, 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I did see an advertisement for that. I, I wanted to check it out. But yeah, like man, that's a that's a really a really good, cool knit, um, tight knit cast it seems. And and I feel that um, yeah, they definitely need to let James Gunn do more stuff. Like I don't know what he would do next. I'm sure he knows, but like I feel that he's going to be playing with DC for a while. Yeah, um, more so than Marvel. Like he might have some input with the cosmic side of MCU, but I can feel that he's going to be really putting his energies into, into the WB. And I'm kind of surprised too, that he's still having such a good relationship with them because if I were him, I, I would have been pissed that they would have put this, the suicide squad on day and date release because that really hurt it. Like it's it like, did. that hurt all the films that came out that year. It's like, imagine you're like putting all this, effort into making this big screen thing and then you find out that people can just watch it on their smartphone like it's like i don't know that whoever decision that was at warner brothers like i'm pretty sure that they're not having a job or pretty soon or they're like you know they're they're walking on thin ice because that was just fucking stupid to me like i feel that i feel that they could have had the same effect with hbo max by just saying hey we're gonna put movies out in theaters and then it's going to be on HBO Max 30 days later or something like that. Yeah, you know, I yeah, feel that I agree. it would have still made people I think people still would have been like, oh, I got to get HBO Max because this, you know, recent movie is dropping really soon. You know, it would have had the same effect. And I think reports even show that it didn't even grow as much as they hoped it would. So, like, they lost, they put left a lot of fucking money on the table. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, I'm glad that they gave that option to people. But I feel like, you know, fucking Dune, man. Like, if you could see that shit in the theaters and and then rewatch it later, you know, um, Suicide Squad, see that shit in the theaters. You know, that would have been the place to see it. And if you, you know, you're afraid and don't want to go to the theater, then just wait a month or two and it'll be on HBO Max. You know, like, I feel that that was probably the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And whenever I read articles about, you know, like, oh, you know, the Suicide Squad just wasn't a successful DCU film. It's like, oh, get the fuck out of here. You're only looking at box office numbers. Like, yeah, otherwise, that movie was in entirely successful. It was so good. Yeah, people sit there and talk about like, oh, it did, did make it like a lot of money, a bomb and this and that. And I'm like, dude, like, it's fucking for free on HBO. Well, not for free, but it's like. Well, it's for free if you have a fucking password from someone else. But it's like <laughs> everybody could everybody could watch this thing when they you know whenever they want it on their fucking phone, their computer, their TV, whatever. Of course, you're not gonna go out and just spend you know twenty bucks every time to see it. And and people like us, you know, especially in these genre films, we watch movies so many fucking times. You know, we'll see something like three, four times if we like it. What even we were doing was we might have saw it in the theater and then we will rewatch it on HBO Max multiple times. It's like, I'm not going to sit there and pay for it. Like if Spider-Man No Way Home came out, I fucking paid for Spider-Man No Way Home three fucking times, right? Yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home was on <laughs> Disney Plus. I would have saw it at the movies and then I would have rewatched it at home. Yeah, you know, I would have went like, home and paid an extra $30 for that premium yeah. fucking thing to just have it on there, you know? Yeah, just rewatching it, and it's like that. It's it really killed genre films because it's like not only were they missing out on the dollars that you would make if you see it the first weekend, but they also missed out on the dollars from the geeks like us that rewatch it three, four times while it's in the theater. Yeah, you know, and it's like so. Yeah, like I mean, Suicide Squad would have done way better if it would have dropped like this month 
or imagine if imagine if fucking Peacemaker came out first and then Suicide Squad. I know I know narratively oh, then it would have been really huge. Sense. Yeah, it doesn't narratively make sense, but I'm just saying, like, imagine if they had a lead in like that to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would have totally worked. Um, so yeah, yeah one of the been... things we got to talk about too is um, so recently you went and did an ayahuasca retreat in Peru. Yeah. And um, yeah. and there's a there's a a pop culture leftovers Patreon episode where uh, uh, with me and you and Brian, where you tell me and Brian all about it. And that's like, uh, I think close to a two hour episode, maybe a little over two hours. So, I mean, it, you really get into it in that episode. And so if you're not a PCL Patreon member, highly urge you to go, you know, check it out, you know, shell out the six bucks. There's a lot of great episodes in there. And, and all this that you get into with that ayahuasca retreat is just incredible. And I definitely want to touch on it a bit while you're here on this episode to kind of give, you know, the Starkcast audience a little bit of a treat. Um, like, how yeah. did how did this whole ayahuasca thing come on your radar? It came on my radar because, um, you know, it's been popping up here and there. It's become a little trendy to the extent where you hear people going and doing their ayahuasca retreats and, you know, going to the jungle and fucking taking plant medicine and seeing all these visions and stuff like that. And I always thought it was something just cool that I would want to do, you know. And then I got to the point where I turned 40 last year. And I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, this is the fucking time to do it. Like, I, you know, I just kind of went through a lot of stuff. You know, I went through, like, a, just a lot of trials and tribulations in life. And entering the new decade, I kind of felt like I needed a a bit of a, a cleansing or a rebirth or something like that. And I'm listening to the audiobook of Will Smith's uh, book. And Will Smith talks about doing it 14 fucking times. And, you know, he's probably the biggest high profile celebrity that has come out and talked about it. There's been a lot of other celebrities that have mentioned ayahuasca, but he's probably like the biggest one that has come out and said, I've done it. And he was even struggling to even mention it in his book, but he got to the point where he felt like he had to talk about it. And so, yeah, he talks about going to Peru 14 times and doing it. And he talks about his experience very thoroughly, his first experience. And it's just so captivating. Um, if you just Google um, or YouTube uh, Wolf Smith Ayahuasca, you know there might be some videos that have excerpts from the audio book um, that you know where he talks about his experience. But basically, I got to the point where yeah, I just I just pulled the trigger on it, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to Peru and I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I booked it, tried to book it for December of last year, but they're all booked up. And I saw an opening on January 7th. And when I saw that opening, I just took it. <laughs> I, I just took it and I booked it. And I was just worried about getting COVID because if I got COVID, they wouldn't let me in the retreat. <laughs> so that was my biggest concern. And, and when I finally got there and got into the retreat, like it was just so life-changing, man. It was, it was the best experience I've ever had, the best single experience I've ever had. And, and I don't say that lightly. It was just uh, just mind-blowing. Um, three different ceremonies over the course of seven days. And, and I also did the uh, sapo, uh, which is also referred to as bufo, um, the toad venom stuff. And that was amazing, too. And every night was just something different. Like, you take this plant medicine, 
and you get transported into another fucking world. <laughs> like it's, it's not like mushrooms or other psychedelics where it just makes the world um, distorted and then visuals jump around. It was actually transporting me to something felt like going into another dimension, like nothing's familiar. Everything's just so out there. Like there are times I felt I was in a video game. There was times I felt like I was in space, you know, and it's a 360 experience. It's up, it's above you. It's around you. It's to your left. It's to your right. It's in, it's under you. Like, everything everywhere you turn your head it's all around you and you're just in a completely different world and yeah it's it teaches you lessons too it's not like it's not like uh you know like you're just tripping balls and seeing pink elephants and seeing dancing <laughs> you know tigers or something it's like everything makes sense like it's like first you start seeing these visions and you're like what the fuck is this and and it doesn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden you start seeing the lesson that it's teaching you. Like it's and you're like, oh shit, like, oh, that's what this means. Like it starts it starts talking to you, if that makes any sense. And it's not like you can it's not like you always hear like a voice talking to you. It's like you start it's almost like the closest thing I can say to telepathy, where it's like you know what it's saying and it knows what you're saying and you don't have to actually say it. Um, like, and you guys can have, you and the medicine can have back and forth conversations and it will tell you like when you're wrong, like it will tell you like, nope, try again or nope, like try again. Like that's not correct. Or, you know, the answer to that. Like I got that a lot too. When I would ask stuff, it would say, you know, the answer to that. <laughs> and if I would, and if I push it, then it would say like bingo or like are correct or something like that, you know? And it's like, you're talking to your subconscious. And your subconscious doesn't bullshit you, you know? It's like your subconscious is going to tell you the truth, whether or not you like it or not. Like, it's going to, like, fucking tell you this is, like, the answer. And you can argue with it, but it's going to win. It's always going to win. Dude, that is, that is just... <laughs> It's just so wild. It's like, it's hard to even try and wrap your mind around. And, like, you know, when I, when I was... You know, at this point, it's like 20, fuck, over 20 years ago at this point since the last yeah. time I touched a psychedelic. But like when I was in my late teens and, you know, just getting into my 20s, like 20, 21, um, yeah. I did like a lot, a lot of psychedelic trips. I, I did a lot of a lot of different types of LSD. Um, I did psilocybin mushrooms more times than I can remember. And almost every time I did psilocybin, it was just like a you know, maybe like a, a gram and a half. Cause I mean, you'd be splitting like three and a half grams usually with another person. You'd get like an eighth of an ounce and just split it, eat half of it. And I did that almost mm -hmm. every time. And then one time I got really, really cocky and I ate like over 10 grams. And that's, oh. that's when I went way the fuck down the rabbit hole. I totally lost it. Like the next day, like during it. And then the next day. And for a long time afterwards, I referred to it as a bad trip. And then, like, the more I, like, thought about it, it was, like, the only thing that was bad about it was because I was scared. And the only thing I was scared about was all this truth that was presented to me. So, like, a lot of the things you said about, like, the ayahuasca trip, like, a lot of that came to me, like, after taking, like, a truly heroic dose of psilocybin. But I, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would recommend somebody to be like, yeah, just go eat 10 grams. 
have somebody babysit you, you know, in a few hours, yeah. you'll, you'll be fucking right as rain. Um, but, <laughs> but ever since we first talked to you, ever since Brian and I talked to you about your ayahuasca trip when we recorded last week, like I've been thinking yeah. about it a lot. And the biggest question is, is that something I would do? And I still don't, I still haven't come to a concrete answer. Like it sounds very, well, it, very it, intriguing. Um, it's it, going to call you. It's going to, it's going to call you and, and you don't force it to. Is that it's what like, you felt like with, 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 like with, when you first saw this Will Smith thing? And I remember you saying like a, a Neil Brennan thing also. And yeah, like, so when you first started like researching it, was there a moment when you were researching it where you felt it called for you? Like, what was this? What, what did the call feel okay. like to you? The call felt like to me, like I, I knew I wanted to travel somewhere and I was just thinking, okay, shit, I'm going to be traveling um, alone. I'm turning 40. I was like, where do I want to go that, you know, my friends, family might not necessarily want to accompany me, you know, like, but we're like, what is it that I've always wanted to do? And it was ayahuasca. It was always one of those things where I was like, I'm going to do it sometime, but maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, but I'm going to fucking do it. And when I saw Neil Brennan talking about it, I think he was giving an interview. If you just fucking YouTube Neil Brennan, ayahuasca, um, he talks about it a lot. I think he's talked about it on multiple, um, multiple uh, outlets. And so it was a Saturday night. I remember it clearly. It was a Saturday night where I just said, I'm going to reach out to Neil Brennan and see if, what he has to say about it. And I contact Neil Brennan on Instagram and immediately he responds with a link to the place where I went. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, this is a fucking sign <laughs> because <laughs> Neil Brennan, because w Will Smith is the one that told Neil Brennan to do it. And then Will, I think Neil Brennan took Chris Rock to do it. He said it changed Chris Rock's life as well. He cried for like hours, he says. Um, and then I hear Will Smith talking about in his book. So I'm like, okay, let me contact Neil Brennan because I can't fucking reach Will Smith. Let me contact Neil <laughs> Brennan. <laughs> and, and Neil Brennan like immediately read it. Like, and this is a Saturday night. Like Neil Brennan's always doing comedy and stand up around the country. And so I knew on a Saturday night, I'm like, this guy's probably not going to answer me for days or whatever. But he answered immediately and gave me that link and i found the place i did my research and you know this place had five stars across the board everyone was just talking about how wonderful it was and i was like this is where i'm going this is the spot and that was always my hesitance was finding the right place because i didn't want to go to just like anybody you know i didn't want to go to some guy who's like hey what i do ayahuasca like on the corner and shit, <laughs> you know um, well, you'd think yeah. that because of the popularity and, you know, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to make a quick buck that there's oh, got to yeah. be plenty of scammers out there willing to just fleece people. Dude, walking the streets of Peru, there's like people selling ayahuasca, like with the street food, like, like just brown powder. And it's like, you, you can just buy it off the street. And it's like, you don't want to do some shit like that. And there's tons of people in the States that do it too. Obviously they, they can't advertise that they do it, but. You know, if you keep your ear to the streets, like people are going to, you can find people in the States that do it. But like, I wanted to go somewhere that I can fucking verify. I wanted to go somewhere where they can actually, you know, I can actually read up on them and read on other people's experiences and know that they're legit, you know, that they didn't, 
I want to make sure you didn't get your shaman's license last week online. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, my shaman was like 70 years old and from the Amazon and didn't speak English. And I was like, bingo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Like she, I mean, they had to find her. They were saying something like they had to go through the jungle for like a year or something before they found her. Like they knew she existed, but they couldn't find her, and it took them a year to fucking find her in the Amazon. Wow. I was like, yeah, I want that to be my shaman. So does then she just like make like a trek into this retreat every once in a while to come and do this, or? Well, I think now they just fund her and basically now gave her like a home, like to where she, you know, and ah, gotcha. obviously, you know, they gave it, they made it to where she's no longer just deep in the jungle. I think she's now living amongst, you know, living at the retreat center now. So, yeah. so even though there was um, the language barrier there, were you able to like speak with the shaman? Um, it was like playing telephone a little bit because she spoke her own language. She's of the Shipibu tribe and she only speaks her indigenous language. And then her son, her son, I think was like 36, 37 years old. He's a shaman as well. And he spoke Spanish. So he was able to understand his mom. He would translate that to Spanish and then they would translate the Spanish to us. Wow. How, are you very fluent yeah. in Spanish? I know you live in LA. Um, I can understand it, you know, but I can't just converse with people. Like I'm, I, I don't put in enough time to, to sharpen my Spanish skills enough, but yeah, <laughs> gotcha. like it's, I, I can understand it. Yeah. But it's, uh, but yeah, like that's how we communicate it. And so, yeah, it was, I mean, she was such the real deal too. Like, I mean, they, that's one beauty of it too, is that the shamans were singing, during our ceremonies, like they were singing, singing, singing. They would, um, the Icaros, they would, uh, the Icaros, you know about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've looked the them up and listened to them before. They're wild. Oh yeah. And the Icaros would like, you know, they would sing these songs and it would kind of ground you when you're like, so if you're floating through space or fucking, even if you're burning in hell somewhere, it's like, you could still hear them singing. And it was like the the path back home, you know. It was like the thing Even that if reminded you're burning you that... in hell somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, uh... you're like, oh, but that Icaros ah, sounds so great <laughs> as you're cooking and shit. But like, but yeah, but basically, the Icaros is like the thing that grounds you a little bit. Like, so even if you're just in another world, you can hear that song and know that you're still on Earth. You know that you're still there. And that there, and you also it also makes you know that the shamans are nearby too. Um, I really liked my place because it was like a only a group of thirteen of us, and um, we all got really close. You know, we all still talk to this very day. We were in a group chat on WhatsApp. People from you know as far as London and all around the, the United States, Midwest, uh, West Coast, and East Coast, and we're all still very close. We all talk every day. And, you know, cause it was just such a life changing experience and, and having such a small group like that, I mean, you get close to people very fast because you, you, we all were witnessing some of the scariest moments of our lives and some of the best moments of our lives. And like, even if you go there by yourself, like you're not going to feel alone, you know, you're not going to feel like, uh, you know, you're not going to feel like a, like an outsider, even if you go there, not knowing anyone, cause everyone got close very fast. And, um, and if you had a bad trip, if someone was having a bad trip, the shamans and the facilitators would be there to help you, you know, and, and, and guide you through it and help you, um, 
deal with it if, if you were going through something very bad. Whereas opposed to like, there's like some big, you know, cathedral ayahuasca centers. Like I think there's one in Costa Rica that does like 80 people at one time. And I'm like, that's too much. Like, like 80 people. Like if I'm having a bad trip, like I'm going to have to fucking wait for the facilitator to like, like get there like an hour later to, to tend to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's like, I mean, it, it feels like you're like, you know, it just feels a little too impersonal. And I, and I guarantee that 80 people, like you're not going to be close knit. Like you're all going to be, maybe you might, you know, link up with a few people there, but it's like, it's, it just seems very isolating to be in a group that big. Whereas with the group of 13, like we all knew each other by name. We all knew each other's backgrounds. We ate lunch together. We did everything together. So it made the experience easier and it made overcoming the fear that was involved easier too because we were all going through the same shit you know like like the guy across from me knew how fucking scared i was and i knew how scared he was you know? like <laughs> and what and was like the accommodations would... like then so i mean because it sounds like you're really spending a lot of time with all these people is it like i, I like yeah, what but... like what kind of place are you guys staying in are y'all staying in the same place okay so the place is called arcana spiritual center so if you just google arcana spiritual center which is a-r-k-n-a um you would see like pictures of the of the place but they have four different locations there's one in costa rica oh no there's they're opening a new one in costa rica but they also have one in uh, uh mexico and they have two in in peru one that's in the jungle and one that's in the sacred valley which is where i went so i went to the sacred valley the accommodations are pretty legit like it was like it wasn't like I was in a hut or anything. Like it was like a actual structure, you know, I had a nice bed. The shower was amazing. Um, you know, it was, it was basic, but it was like clean and it was comfortable. Um, heaters in there and everything. It wasn't like we were just sleeping on the ground or anything. It was very comfortable. And the food they gave us too, for the most part, was very good too. Um, you gotta, you gotta do a cleanse before that. You know, I was telling you and Brian before that we had to follow a certain diet, which is, basically like a vegetarian kind of diet but they do allow you to have proteins like like um free-range chicken and um stuff like that fish uh eggs um you could also you know have like uh well i guess they they wouldn't they didn't want us to have coffee or caffeine or anything or alcohol or marijuana um no masturbation as i was telling you guys that was the hard part but uh <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like overall, like, yeah, you just basically, they give you this diet. It's not a hundred percent. Like you don't have to follow it if you don't want to, but the experience is much easier for you and the best for you, the closer you stick to that diet. Um, the medicine is going to work better for you and your, your mind and everything is just going to be more ready to receive it. Like I didn't, I didn't get too sick when I did it. You know, I think my system was in a position where. It was able to accept it a little better because I only vomited one time. Yeah, that prep work going into it probably really paved a lot of the way. Because you'd think if you're just having a typical Western diet, then you go and do something like that, it's really going to twist you up. Yeah, yeah, you definitely gotta, you definitely gotta have some preparation going into it. There was one guy who was like, I didn't follow the diet at all, and he had a great fucking time. Huh. Um, like he, he had. Yeah, great revelations and all that stuff. Um, 
but he didn't follow the fucking diet at all. Um, <laughs> it's just everyone's everyone's different. Like it, it, I think it also is just like a like a mental thing too, where it's like yeah, that makes sense. It's showing it's kind of showing how dedicated you are to change and 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 what you're willing to do to receive it. So I pulled up the is it arcanainternational.com? Yeah, that's it. Uh, so did you do the Arcana Amazon or the Sacred Valley one? Sacred Valley. Okay, cool. Oh, man, yeah, yeah that I building went. it's shown in the picture there is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to go to um, I wanted to go to uh, the Amazon. That was where I wanted to do it because I was like, you know, I want to go to the fucking jungle. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all the way. But it's the rainy season right <laughs> That's now. That's hardcore, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the rainy season right now, and um, and – it was, yeah, the, I think the Amazon, they weren't operating during that time. So I think they're waiting for the rainy season to kind of let up because it just gets too out of control. But I, I talked to some people that had been to the jungle in the Amazon and they were like, that's hardcore because it's like you're dealing with all of this shit, you know, the Alaska experience. And at the same time, it's just huge bugs and mosquitoes and wildlife. And that's where I know about and shit. Yeah. <laughs> when you say yeah. huge bugs and I'm like, mm. yeah. Yeah, I don't like huge yeah. bugs. <laughs> yeah, so like, so we, so, so we, we called it like, um, it always was like Club Med. I think someone was like, I love this Club Med experience because the Sacred Valley is way more chill. Like it's beautiful, and you don't got to deal with like a lot of those elements. Like it wasn't like we were, we didn't have to take a freaking riverboat to get there, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it on their website right now. It looks incredible. I'll, I'll put a link to yeah. this site in the show notes to, yeah, to yeah. make it easier yeah. for for listeners to go and find. Um, so yeah, so like you're you're like a month back now, right? Back well, in the real like, world post like, post um, experience. Three week, um, three weeks, I think. Yeah. So have you been able to to kind of hold on to the the positive benefits from it still? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not like I meditated this morning, but like I haven't been holding on to like the practices daily like I wanted to. But like my mind state is still the same. Like I still feel so positive. Like I feel like I was just so fucking happy. Like when I say I never felt that happy in my entire life, like I'm not I'm not joking. My dad saw my dad saw a photo of me or a video of me when I was there. And he told me that he had never seen me that happy since I was a baby. Wow. Yeah. And, and like, I, I had a fucking Joker smile. Like I just could not stop smiling. Like I, I felt so good. It was so life changing. And it was like, it feels like going through fucking weeks of therapy without having to go through weeks or years of therapy. Like, it's like, like I've been in therapy before, but like that one week did more for me than any fucking years of therapy has ever done. Nice. And and it's like, and it's like cheaper too. It's like cheaper and fast. It's like, it's like, it's like getting like the, yeah, it's like getting like the fucking, like, can I get my therapy to go? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but, but like getting like a discount, like it's like crazy, you know, cause it's uh, a lot of us have breakthroughs. There are people who found out shit about themselves that they didn't even no, like, I mean, there's, I mean, just crazy ass revelations that change their entire lives. And, and everyone, all of us, all 13 of us, um, were happy for the experience. None of us were like, oh, that was shit or, or didn't live up to it. Like all of us had a breakthrough, all 13 of us. 
And so when people ask me like, oh, is this something you recommend to everyone? I say no, because like, I don't think it is for everyone, but I think it's for people that are wanting to become better versions of themselves or, or get rid of something. Like it helps you get rid of addiction. Like I know people in our group that said they haven't touched their depression pills since they started, you know, since they've been back, you know, like it's, it like just really fucking warps your life and, and changes the way you think. Like you just become so appreciative of just basic stuff, your own life, the people around you. It's incredible. That sounds so amazing. Um, yeah. Do you have any desire to go and do it again? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no yeah, hesitation man. there. <laughs> Dude, there was, there was some of us that there are people working at that facility that were guests that just never left. Like there are people that were volunteering there that just fucking got there, you know, as a guest. And then they just ended up just saying, fuck it, I'm gonna quit my job. I'm just going to stay here. And all, and a handful of us even thought about that too. A handful of us were like, dude, like, I mean, they got, you know, three square meals and accommodations here. Like, I don't mind just fucking staying here and volunteering for a little bit before you know like if you have the freedom to be able to do that right you know i mean obviously if you got a mortgage back home or a family or something that's going to make it complicated yeah but, but like <laughs> the spirits are going to be reminding you about that <laughs> your, your kids are going to keep popping up in your vision right <laughs> daddy we miss you <laughs> why do you hate us oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah your vision's going to be like a Delta plane ticket every time going back home. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's kind of the feeling with the other people in your group that you've kept in contact with? Do they all kind of feel the same way? Like this is something that, that they'd love to go I back feel, and repeat? I don't know if everyone, like when I talked to people about it, like everyone was saying like, yeah, like this is something that I would want to do again. Like not everyone was saying like, I got to go back next month, but like, people were thinking like, yeah, I think this is something I need to do like at least once a couple, every couple of years, maybe once every few years, because like that kick in the ass, it gives you like that, that, like, it feels like I just powered up. Like if that makes any sense, it's like, you know, it's like, I, like I'm in a video game and I just fucking got the, the, the fucking mushroom in a Mario or something. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's not going to last forever, but like you, it's like every now and then you just got to get that power up. And, and it, it, it helps you move forward, like in everything that you do, whether it's your, your, your work life, your family life, your relationships, your friendships, your health, like it's just, it's like, it's like that jump start that just gives you like new energy. So if I ever get to a point where I'm in like a, a dark place, or if I ever get in the point where I'm not happy, like I know I can fucking go to that place for a week and it's going to fucking charge me up, you know? Oh, that sounds so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Man, no, so I'm, I'm like, that much closer to, to being like, you know what? L l more curious, less fearful. <laughs> that's the cool thing, too, is that when you do something that you're terrified of, you feel so fucking good after you did oh, it. Like, yeah, like I know that. Like I know, like, I know someone who was terrified and had a bad trip and everything, but he was like, I feel so fucking good that I was afraid of that shit, and I still did it. Like, like he was just so happy that he had the courage to do that. It's like, you know, you get that kind of like a, that Vietnam war bond, like a, in a, a little bit, like where it's like everybody's going through like these terrible fucking 
times or not, you know, you know, if you had a bad trip, it's a terrible time. Like I had like a semi bad trip, but most of it was good. But it's like going through that fear and coming out the other end of it. Like you just feel this camaraderie and you're just like, you're like, we, you just look at each other and you're just like, we fucking did it, dude. Like we're still fucking alive and we did it. Like that's, it's just such a fucking great feeling to have. Oh, and before I did the toad, before I did the toad, that was the scariest. I had never been that scared in my entire life. Like that was the. That's what you were saying was like I've a like been. a near death experience. Is how people describe it, right? Yeah, because if you YouTube it on video, you'll see people doing the fucking toad, and they're like screaming and crawling on the ground with their eyes closed and and kicking and all kinds of shit like that. Like they're terrified, and you think to yourself, like fuck, like like what a, what am i gonna go through that <laughs> and and i also talked to someone who freaked me out who was like yeah when when i did the toad it felt like it lasted for four months and i was like what <laughs> like i'm just gonna be like fucking floating dead for four months and and like you always don't know that you're coming back like your mental state doesn't think it's coming back so like you feel like you're dead to some extent and so, like, I was afraid of that. Like, I was terrified. And I slept, I think, two or three hours before I did it. And and I still didn't think I was going to do it. Like, I, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'll do it next time. I can fly back and do it next time. And a guy who works there, he said, if you leave this place and go back to California, knowing that you didn't do the toad, he's like, you're going to regret it. And, <laughs> they got you with FOMO. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, I know I'm going to regret it. I know I'm going to be like, dude, you're right fucking there. And you could have done it. Um, you're not going to be able to do this anywhere. And so, yeah. So like, I got the courage, <laughs> I got the courage to do it. And I was so glad I did. And as soon as I, I did it, like I had the, the most euphoric, happy feeling when I came back to my body. Um, and I ran outside with the biggest freaking smile. And I was just telling everyone who was afraid, like, you gotta do it. This shit is fucking amazing. <laughs> so is that also like a tea? Um, this is smoking. Like, so they take the, um, the, um, the venom of the toad, I guess it excretes some sort of venom and they, they it crystallizes to some extent. And, and they, uh, they put it into like a beaker and then they light it up from below with a, with a torch. And then it clouds up into a white smoke. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? This looks like this looks like I'm doing like the bad drug. Yeah, like, it sounds like, like freebasing crack out of a light yeah, bulb. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And but like you you realize that it's there's no chemicals involved, it's nothing synthetic. Like everything that you do there at that retreat comes out of the fucking ground or out of an animal. So there's nothing like that, you know, that's made in a lab or anything like that. And it's doesn't have any health effects or anything like that. So like, yeah, so you smoke it and you inhale it. You just basically inhale and keep it in your lungs. And then you just fucking see the white light, <laughs> the white light that people see when they <laughs> die. Like it just, everything just fucking turns white. Like, ah, you know, that and then you're so just wild. fucking, then you're just floating in the abyss and it's, it's like having like a big, long spiritual orgasm. And it made me feel like, Damn, if this is what people experience when they die, because they say your brain releases 5-MeO-DMT when you die, I was like, there's not a whole lot to be afraid of because once you transition over like that, if your brain really does release this chemical, it's going to feel great. 
<laughs> is going to be like amazing. So like, it's not like, it's not something to fear. God, sounds like a really incredible experience you had there, dude. Oh man, I can't even put it into words. It's like one of those things where you got to really experience it to know what I'm talking about. Cause I watched a million ayahuasca videos before I went down there and none of the, like, I thought I knew what it was going to be about. Like I thought I knew what the sapo and what the, and what the uh, ayahuasca experience was going to bring, because I saw so many people talk about their experiences, but like, even that didn't do it justice to what I actually experienced. What I actually saw was like, it's almost indescribable. Like you can't really put it into words. It's just, yeah. It's just one of those things that you have to experience to really know what it's about. Amazing. Amazing. Dude, I, I really appreciate you coming on, taking time to come in and talk. Um, Dude, and, this was fun, man. We got to do it again. Oh, oh, it's going down <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> and, and, and everybody, if, if you dig in, if you dig in, you know, what Tristan's talking about with his ayahuasca retreat, um, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Brian and I talked to him for two hours on pop culture leftovers on their Patreon feed. So, you know, if, if you were curious about this, go seek that out. It's, you know, drop down yeah, your $6, get, you're yeah. going to get a lot of content from, uh, out of that pop culture leftovers, Patreon feed, um, you know, beyond just that, uh, the the episode with with Tristan talking about his experience there a uh, lot of lot of really good content there so you'd definitely be getting your six bucks worth and this is just the tip of the iceberg dude we, like we didn't really even get into at all like what really you were seeing when you were in those yeah. you really got into that on that Patreon episode so you know there's yeah, there's a lot of meat on that bone people a really detailed breakdown of the visions that I was having each night and how everything appeared to me. Um, crazy yeah. stuff yeah dude. <laughs> you can check that out pop culture leftovers the patreon page yeah they have that there oh excellent dude and yeah I'll, I'll absolutely be getting you on again in the future this has been just delightful talking with you and like i can't believe how long we talked about star wars i looked down and i'm like wow we've been talking about star wars for like over an hour this is incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah we gotta do it again and um i think I love you it. and i are both good both going to be on pop culture leftovers talking about the batman right yes yep 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 we will yeah. oh i can't wait for that dude oh my god i've um they they keep coming out with all this different new content for it like oh another trailer more here's a featurette on catwoman this is the cat and the bat trailer and i've been staying away from all of it because i'm just yeah, like nope I'm, I'm just gonna go into the theater i i want to see this i'm i don't need any oh, more stuff yeah, it's already sold. Like, I don't need to see more shit. Like, exactly. Already, yeah. That first trailer was enough. I would have already just walked right in to the theater. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah Dude, it's going to be fun. I, that I whole that scene where something. that scene with the Batmobile and with chasing the penguin and everything. Yeah. And then, oh my God, I'm, I just can't wait. I, I can't wait to see. I mean, it's, I don't think it's my most anticipated movie. I, I think what is? I think Multiverse of Madness is still beating it, it out just because of mm. what it also represents. There's so much behind Multiverse of Madness that that is led up to this point. And and I'm very, very interested in what Marvel's doing with the multiverse. I've enjoyed a lot of the multiverse content that they've thrown in in phase four. So I think Multiverse of Madness edges it out just a little bit, but it's like 
they're they're so neck and neck close you know it's a photo finish multiverse of madness is going to be a game changer because we know that you can't use this gimmick all the time this multiverse gimmick all the time so i think something's going to happen that's going to really like be very impactful on the future of the mcu like uh like whether they swap somebody or bring somebody back out of the multiverse like that's I think that's the movie where you're going to see it happen. And and it's like, there's so many possibilities. We're sitting here talking about Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire for months, right? It's like, anybody can fucking show up in the Multiverse of Madness. Anybody. Fucking, it's wide open. Wesley Snipes' blade can show up. Like, you know, fucking <laughs> right? Hugh Jackman can show up. Like, like, anybody can show up in that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a lot of hopes. And, and, you know, the MCU just keeps blowing my socks off and... I got high hopes for their future. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> no matter what, I'll be there. I'll be there in the it's theater so- on opening night for MCU movies for the foreseeable future. Oh man, and, and we're in this this streaming age where it's like, man, they're giving this these high quality shows. It's like it's like like the budgets are just right too. Like they feel like like it's TV, but it's like it doesn't feel like TV. It doesn't look like TV. It's so fucking cool that we get to live in this and experience this as i mentioned before like all we had before was maybe one batman movie of the year or like one you know comic property that would come out like it was like you know it was so scarce back then and now it's like they're just dumping so much good stuff (laughs) on us and the mcu despite having so much shit come out it's still so high quality like the mcu has had some duds but they've had way more fucking home runs and and hits and strikeouts man agreed yeah they know what they're doing yeah they sure do and i I just hope they keep it up (laughs) and everything feels yeah too like it's like you know multiverse of madness this is nothing like fucking black panther it's nothing like Thor ragnarok it's nothing like which is nothing like guardians of the galaxy which is nothing like uh, Ant-Man like it's like they're just giving all these different varieties too so I mean WandaVision was just something in and of itself that's what I'm really excited too about seeing the fucking Scarlet Witch full force man like that's gonna be yes. fucking cool and Loki's gonna show up too like yeah fucking I think Multiverse of Madness is my movie too bro yeah 100% yeah. dude <laughs> 100% yeah. um, do you uh, do you uh, have anywhere on socials or anything people can reach you or uh, you can reach me, um, Tristan uh, underscore the blurred. Uh, so Tristan, T-R-I-S-T-A-N underscore T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to plug, but yeah, if you want to say hi, that's the spot to do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much again for coming on. Really am looking forward to the next one. Um, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I'll talk to you again soon. Hell yeah. Thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StarkCast.